We can clap if we want to. We can leave your friends behind. If your friends don't clap, and if they don't clap, well, that's no friends behind. Welcome to another episode of the What's Good Games podcast. I'm Andrea Renee, joined by Christine Steimer. Oh, hello. And very special guest returning, Miss Kimberly Wallace. Thank you for having me again. Absolutely. Kim, of course, if you guys don't know, is the features editor over at Game Informer. Is that correct? Did I get that right? Yeah, I'm impressed. Yes, I did it. I did the wow. thing. Um, did and she and I had the privilege of spending some time together last week mm-hmm. at Judges Week in Los Angeles. Hope you guys enjoyed our E3 prediction show as predicted by Nate Ball. We got at least one right, Steimer. We did. That Magic 8-Ball did its job. <laughs> I, so we, need to still need, we need to clip that out and send it to Pete and be like, you told us to consult the Magic 8-Ball. And we did. Yeah. No, I, I'm with you. I think we absolutely need to do it. And it has my uh, fingers crossed that maybe the rest of them uh, could potentially come true. Except the crackdown um, one. Don't let the... <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, there were a couple bad ones, right? Kind of a bummer. Um, but a big thank you to um, everybody who tuned into our anniversary stream, who commented on our E3 predictions and gave us some of your own. And of course, I am here to let you know that this week's episode is brought to you by patreon.com. So that's what's good games. We're going to talk more about that later because we got some cool new stuff over at our Patreon. Um, but for now, um, I think we're probably just going to go ahead and jump right into the news. You might notice that the blonde nerd, Miss Brittany Brombacher, is not here. And that is because she is somewhere in the Pacific Ocean cruising to alaska maybe she's actually in alaska now Who she's knows definitely she in alaska okay was she did she post a photo from alaska no but i mean i've been on that cruise before <laughs> if she's not in alaska by now then she, she's in deep trouble they got lost somewhere <laughs> yeah. um so she's on a little family vacation taking a little r&r ahead of e3 and um we will look forward to uh getting her back on the show next week we have another special guest next week you guys one person that has been requested by a lot of you that's never been on the show before the one the only brandon jones of easy allies nice Um, so that'll be um that'll be fun to chat with him and to catch up and see what he has been up to of course they are doing awesome things over at uh youtube.com slash easy allies or patreon.com slash easy allies if you guys want to check them out but for now we are going to get into some news and then later on kim and i are going to talk about a bunch of games that we played at Judges Week that now the embargoes are up, including Kingdom Hearts 3. Yes! I know, Kim, you got, you're got you super excited about that's this. All, yes? That's the only reason why I'm here, right? Because <laughs> it's Kingdom Hearts, right? Well, normally, uh, Ms. Alexa Ray Carrillo, of course, would be here talking everything about Kingdom Hearts, but if you guys missed it, she announced her new gig. So she's officially working for Nintendo, and we're super happy for her and, and, and pumped that she gets to work for such a cool company. Um, I had mentioned on Kind of Funny Games Daily, I go, there aren't many gigs. That would be cool enough to leave What's Good Games for. But Nintendo, 
is definitely one of them. There you so, go. So um, we're happy for her. and We're looking forward to catching up with her at E3 and saying hello and figure out what she's been working on. Um, so this week we got a gigantic dump of info <laughs> on <laughs> we need to what? we need to cut that word from our vocabulary i just info, I'm info too dump. immature for it the word dumps. it makes me giggle every time go ahead say it timer dump <laughs> <laughs> oh, I forgot to tell you guys that this is your source for nerdy uh, video game news, commentary, analysis, and funny stuff. The What's Good Games podcast here to bring you the info dumps on um, military shooters. So EA announced that they were going to be talking about Battlefield, and man, oh man, did they bring the information. So they had a really fancy live stream that was hosted by The Daily Show's Trevor Noah, which I thought was actually pretty cool. I was a little skeptical at first, but obviously he's a very funny guy. He's a comedian. But I didn't know that he had like a secret love of Battlefield. What did you guys think of him hosting it? Did you catch any of it? Crickets, Tim. ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> I think Tim's like I waiting for me to talk and I'm yeah, waiting for her to talk. Yeah, that, that was uh, okay. Um, you know what? I caught a little bit of it. We actually had someone on staff over there who um, was at the event and he was impressed with just how much they actually information they actually gave and showed off. Um, apparently, the footage that they showed was um, in game, which is always nice instead of that whole like, you don't know if it's from the game or not. Um, but I think it's cool that whenever they can get someone with a big name who actually likes games and you can tell to host those events. Like, I love um, Aisha Tyler at when she does Ubisoft's press conference every year. So, yeah, she's awesome. Yeah, I was bummed but, they didn't have her last year. But yeah, I did I not catch any of the stream, so I cannot comment on his hosting style. Well, you don't have to worry, Steimer, because we got you covered. I've got all of the info. Now, there's a lot here. So I'm probably not going to read all of the, all of the stuff that they went over. If you guys are looking for like super nitty gritty details, um, I got, I pulled a lot of this from Polygon. They had, I think, five different write-ups, um, really maximizing their SEO over there. But, uh, thank you for the hard work. So let's go ahead and just, uh, get started. So Battlefield 5, every player will be able to outfit and customize a number of different soldiers. And that is World War II soldiers. So as we all suspected and as the leaks kind of suggested, Yes, Call of Duty is going back to World War Two. Call of Duty. Did I say Call of Duty? Yes, I did say Call of Duty. Oh my gosh, you guys! It's been a long week. (laughs) Battlefield. I mean, Call of Duty did go to World War Two. It didn't go back. Um, And then Battlefield was like, "Well, me too." (laughs) You guys are like, "Um, excuse me." Do you think they were super pissed? Because like they've got to be. They must have been working on this game for a while, and then they were like, "Curses!" They came out Uh, before us. Well, Activision does have way more studios working on on Call of Duty than EA has working on Battlefield. It's really just dice. And then they get some supplemental help from a couple other studios. But it's not like they're in a full rotation like Call of Duty is. Um, But yes, Steimer, to answer your question, yes, I think that they were like, shit. (laughs) They were mad. We should have picked another war. We should have. But, you know, it seems like the fans really wanted this. I, I mean, I, I'm i personally, like, when it comes to military shooters, I'm a little bit like, wah, wah, World War II again. <laughs> not that it's not an important war. Not that we shouldn't talk about it, of course. But it's just been done. So let's get into some details. 
so they have this thing called the company this time around, uh, which you can customize uh, a number of different soldiers in the stable and that every soldier will be fully customizable, including characteristics such as gender, race, facial features, and hair. Hooray for customizable hair. Each character will have a designated class pulled from the four traditional battlefield roles of assault, engineer, pilot, support, and medic. Now, as characters accumulate experience, they will be able to unlock different subclasses referred to as archetypes, and that will allow players to specialize down a certain path, such as an anti-tank role for a particular class. What is certain, however, is that whenever a player steps into the multiplayer game mode, they'll be playing as one of the soldiers in their company. Progress is accrued and carried over between every mode, and DICE was explicit in stating that gameplay progress has been completely divorced from cosmetic unlocks. Anything that alters the performance of your soldier must be earned through play. Vehicles will be customizable just like soldiers, and there will be gameplay and cosmetic unlocks for each. Players will be able to kit out both weapons and vehicles in their company arsenal. So you can, for instance, have two versions of the same rifle. Um, Dice confirmed that Battlefield 5 will retain Battlefield 1's War Stories model for its single-player campaign. The goal, however, is to take players to overlooked or lesser-known theaters of the Second World War. At launch, uh, Lars um, Gustafsson? 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 I don't know. I don't know how to say it. I apologize, Lars. Uh, players will experience combat in areas such as Norway, where they will fight battles at the north uh, north of the Arctic Circle. They will be fighting in the French countryside, Greece, in the ruins of the city of Rotterdam, and in the North African desert. In addition to the traditional multiplayer sandbox warfare that the series is known for, there will be two new modes. Combined Arms, which will feature teams of up to four players, all playing cooperatively. Grand Operations will be massive multi-match engagements that tell the story of a lengthy multi-day battle with 64 players. And the outcome of each match will have an impact on the gameplay of the next successive match. So, of course, that's something Battlefield is known for, those massive multiplayer games. And players will always be attached to a squad. So this is something that is a little controversial. There's no longer an option to join a match as a single player and go it alone. To that end, DICE is leaning into the squad mechanics in several important ways. They're extending the squad model to the social aspects of Battlefield Five. And once in a squad, players will stick together regardless of what game mode they're in. That means voice and text chat will be available between you and your squad, even from inside loading screens. At launch, Battlefield Five multiplayer will begin by exploring the earliest parts of World War II, but new battlefields and new fronts will open up over time. Now, just as World War II expanded and changed, so too will the multiplayer experience, and DICE refers to that system as the Tides of War. What it will do is give players a sense of momentum and a reason to stick with the game over time. Certain cosmetic items, such as vehicles, weapon components, and component skins will only be available for certain times. Now, as the tides of war roll over, you'll be able to prove that you were there for a pivotal engagement based on items that your soldier wears into combat. So, obviously, this is really leaning into the games of service, um, and this is part of them getting rid of the premium pass, which was really yep. a big news item this week. Every map, every mode, and every expansion will be completely free. But one controversial subject, of course that everyone is thinking, that wasn't mentioned, loot boxes. Um, so Polygon asked for comment, and an EA spokesperson told them that there will be not, no loot boxes in Battlefield Five. Now, that's consistent with themes shared during the reveal event and at a pre-briefing delivered to the press earlier uh, in the week, and that Battlefield Five will completely divorce gameplay progression from cosmetic unlocks, as we mentioned earlier. And gameplay unlocks will only be available to be earned through play, while cosmetic items will have no gameplay effects. 
So nice. the important part to know about this is that cosmetic items will be available for purchase through in-game currency, which is earned through play, as well as real money transactions. And at least some of that sweet cosmetic gear will be sold online, although whether it will be available through in-game currency remains to be seen. And from what we've been told, and Kim, maybe you can confirm this, there will be no random rolls. You will be picking all of the cosmetics mm-hmm. up front. Mm-hmm. So that is a huge step forward. I think they clearly are taking a lesson uh, that they learned really harshly from Battlefront 2 and saying, we're not even going to mess with it with Battlefields. We're going to like just oh, yeah. sell you stuff. And if you want the stuff, you buy the stuff. EA has to right some wrongs and like this is a good start for, for them. Yeah. Well, it's absolutely. also dice too. Yeah. They're like, oh, whoops. I'm sure they're like, look what happened. No, we're not doing that. Um Let's not completely kill battlefields. Yeah, exactly. Let's let's yeah. not do that. But exactly. I, I think this so, is uh more optimistic for people than they, they thought because right now they have that reputation of just money, 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 any way they can. So everything I that they're saying here I really like. Yeah, same. And the la- the final piece of news is that um, it's going to be launching everywhere October 19th for PS4, Windows PC, and Xbox One. And an early trial of the game will be available to Origin and EA Access members on October 11th. De- the deluxe edition of the game will unlock on October 16th. So, of course, if you want early access, you either got to go to Origin on PC or you got to EA Access on Xbox One. So, I think this is all cool. I think it looks good. I thought the gameplay looked good. Dice does good work, mm-hmm. and I'm excited to to check it out. I'm excited to check out the war stories and and play some stuff. I don't know how I feel about being attached to a squad and multiplayer because like if you get into a squad with people that either are abusive or they're above your or above or below your gameplay level, um, do you guys have any strong feelings about that either way? I mean, I think they just will need to match make well. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And- I don't know that I haven't played. I don't play a lot of first person shooters like this, so I have no idea how it's been in the past. But uh especially in like the the 64 player battles, I don't know how much of a difference it's going to make. <laughs> like, <laughs> you're going to be in there with a squad of four. But like there's so many other people that that's true. That's a good point. You're just dropping the bucket. Um but Yeah, no, I think a lot of the stuff was was good and kind of what they needed to do in order to win back a little bit of goodwill. EA, not, well, I guess EA and Dice, honestly. Um, so, good job, guys. <laughs> All right. I probably, I'm gonna be completely honest, probably won't play this game unless Andrea makes me. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, that's just cause it's not like my style thing. It's, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm right there with the you, Steimer, but. All right, well, I'm probably gonna make you. <laughs> that's okay. As long as It'll we play fun. together, I'll probably have fun. Stream yeah, it. That's true. Yeah, we could do that. And then watch everybody just troll us about how bad we are. Oh, yeah. Probably let's see. Yeah, maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> All right. Next story. Fortnite has announced two things. First thing, Epic is going to put $100 million into competitive esports for Fortnite. So this is huge. Now, they haven't given any details about mm-hmm. where this money is going, what kind of teams they're looking for, uh, what kind of tournament system, like literally nothing. They only announced that they're going to spend $100 million on competitive Fortnite, which is amazing and crazy at the same time. But they're making... 
money no, hand over fist. Yeah, so. I wonder who decided on that number. They're just like, it'd probably be cool if we said a hundred million dollars. Let's do it. Let's go all in. Well, the yeah. biggest esports pot before this was, I think, the Dota Two International, mm-hmm. which was around twenty million. I think a little less. So a hundred million. <laughs> is, See, you uh, got it. <laughs> Well, I, I don't think that's going to be the pot, the final yeah. pot prize. I think that that's going to go into like getting a studio and hiring casters and, you know, getting teams set up and it says a hundred million dollar pot. So I don't know if that oh, means like it? split between all these tournaments that they're going to put on. They will eventually give out a hundred million dollars. Hmm. Um, it's not, I don't think they kind of were just like a hundred million dollars and they didn't give a whole lot of context. <laughs> that I've seen so far anyway. Um, yeah, like literally no they, context at all. But all they need was two words. Fortnite, $100 million. That was all they needed. And people Isn't that were three like, words, Kim? God damn it. I can't do yeah, that. Yeah, it says that that's, that's prize pool. <laughs> prize pool money for Fortnite competitions in the first year of competitive play. That's nuts. Okay, so I'm staying corrected. Um, I, it can't be a single pot, though. It's got to be no, a bunch no, no, of smaller No, 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 no. That's right? going to be split throughout different ones. Because, yeah, that as a single pot would be fucking bonkers. <laughs> I wonder I mean, how they're doing their recruiting for it. I mean, we saw everything with, like, Overwatch League, uh, a lot of, co- like, you know, people talking about them not going out of their way to include um, women who played. And so I wonder with this, are they doing it based on rankings? Do people have to, like, you know, audition? Like, I don't know what the process is to be um, on a Fortnite, be a Fortnite pro. To be a Fortnite pro, I, I'd like to know. But um, do you know what's funny about Fortnite? We had that game on our cover like three or four years ago, and nobody, nobody. It was like a blip, and then all of a sudden, this year, like it's just blown up so much, and it's so fun to see just how that lit fire. Just because it was fun when I played it at Judges Week like four years ago, and I was like, oh, this is kind of fun, and then seeing how that game has evolved has just been really amazing. Well, honestly, like, that game would still be, in my opinion, like, dead on arrival if they hadn't built that Battle Royale mode. Mm-hmm. Like, no oh, one yeah. was playing this game when it launched. I mean, mm-hmm. people were, but then, like, it was like, burp. Yep. And so to see that they were just like, all right, an adrenaline shot to the heart, let's go! And, like, it just fucking worked. Yeah, like, That's it's amazing. I mean. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, I just think back to how we had Darren, you know, like, here on the couch with us streaming when they launched an early access and he walked us through save the world mode, which back then was just Fortnite. Yeah. Um, yep. And then they called <laughs> just the game. It was just Fortnite. Um, and, you know, seeing that then I, like you, Kim, really kind of fell in love with this game when I saw it at Judges Week, like what, what feels like ages ago. Yeah, right. Um, and just seeing everything that they've done in the game. And while they still have clearly a lot of work to do, at least on the Save the World side, mm-hmm. as far as like refining the, the gameplay systems. Um, the polish with the graphics and the gunplay is, is pretty good, but it's still early access. That's, so, yeah, that's um, insane to me that it's still labeled early access, but yet everybody is playing it. And, uh, it, it brings an interesting question up too for like us as journalists. Like, when do you review a game? Is it when it's early? Like right now it's out. You can play it. You can pay money to play it. You know, do you? Yeah, but most people aren't playing the, save the world yeah, mode yeah so they're, they're all not. playing the free-to-play battle royale mode so like, no you're not really paying <laughs> i mean you you can pay well, for cosmetic some people items do, yeah yeah but if you want to be a pink bear you can be a pink bear i mean i do yes you can I mean, <laughs> it's pretty cool 
All right. Well, we will keep an eye on that once they announce more details, which might be at E3 because they're making a splashy entrance with their Fortnite Pro-Am. So we knew that this was coming. Now we got a few more details. So it's 50 pros and 50 celebrities mm. pairing up to battle it out for a $3 million prize donated to the winning duo's charity of choice. So Can I we guess think the celebrities? That that... What was that? Can we guess the celebrities? Oh, you didn't see the celebrity announcement? No, I didn't see who it was. Okay, I'm going to let you guess five. in a second. But I just want to give a big shout-out to Epic for putting up such a great prize pool that's going to charity and how awesome it is that not only are the celebrities participating, but the streamers that are participating as well and that you know they're not getting anything out of it except just for the fun of playing, um, which is, I think, really awesome. Uh, but Okay, so they have five duos that have been announced. Kim. Who are you guessing? Oh, man. Is Zac Efron on there? <gasps> no. no, but I would love that. He better be one of the 50. <laughs> he would be great. Yeah. Oh, he likes Zach, Halo. You he the should like Fortnite. Yeah. Um, Any other guesses? Oh, God. Who's the other? Was it 50 Cent who played with Zac Efron last, like, a few years ago? Well, 50 Cent had his own video game. <laughs> well, yeah, he did. That was, yeah. Um but I can't. Oh. He would also be a good one for this. Yeah, he would be. Cisco really likes to game, by the way. That's he does. also true. I wonder if he's going to be. None of those there. names have You're been announced. some good guesses, but none of those are the ones that were announced. <laughs> but uh, the good news, though, is that there's 50 celebrities and they've only announced five. Is it a Sprouse twin? Oh, no, no it's not. You're guessing really good. <laughs> they though. love These games. Really I guesses. know. Like, I always go online. Oh man, they should get Chrissy Teigen. I would die I would for that. I fucking love Chrissy Teigen. She I would want be to amazing. meet her real bad. I don't know how good she is at Fortnite, but I would watch her do literally anything. Oh, same here, same here. You wouldn't <laughs> even like. She could just pick up the controller and just like if she's like her tweets, just talk, and I'd be fine with it. Perfect. One hundred percent. Let's make that happen. <laughs> all right, you heard okay, it. So I've gotten them all wrong. <laughs> What, yes. What are, what well, not that? necessarily because they've only announced five. These people could be True. like coming up. You could be our magic eight ball right now. Oh, okay. Hmm. Who else could there be? You think about it, but I'm going to announce a couple. Just so the first, for first pairing, no surprise, Ninja is, is well, on yeah. the pro side. And he is produced with uh, music producer and DJ Marshmallow. Wait, is Drake um, is Drake involved in this? Drake Drake is I, not announced yet. Not announced. Uh, okay, but sorry, who I, had knows? To, I had to double check really quick because I was like, that was an easy one. I should have had that first as a guess. <laughs> YouTuber Markiplier, who is hilarious, is now paired up with comedian. Who do you think? Popular comedian has done work in the game space. Jimmy Fallon. Good guess. That would be awesome, but no. I suck at this. Starts with the J. You got that part right. He co-hosted with Jeff Keeley once upon a time. He was on a show, a TV show called Community. Oh, Joe McHale. Yeah. Hopefully he'll be ding, nicer ding, ding. to Markiplier than he was to Jeff on that. Uh, he was <laughs> the, not. I did not video like game him on that. that one year. Yeah. Um, they also have, um, oh my gosh, I don't, I don't have the other ones listed here. Hold on. <laughs> I thought Some the marshmallow was an interest. I'm like, is he going to wear that stupid head the whole time? Is that going to be a disadvantage for that team because you won't have spatial awareness the same way? I, I'm I'm thinking he'll probably be like um, Dead Mouse because Dead Mouse like takes off the mouse head when he like just talks to people. Yeah, but does he part. publicly go out like that? Yeah, he does. 
Oh. He usually only wears the mouse head when he's performing. This is uh, also, well then. This is also yeah, so a 3, really 000. dorky take, and I only know because I follow her on Twitter. But I wouldn't be surprised if um, Zelda Williams said that she was going to E3 and she was doing stuff but couldn't announce it yet. So maybe she's one. Who knows? Well, I uh, have to. We'll have to maybe play some, play some wagers. Myth. And Paul George, who looks like an athlete of some kind. He is. He's a basketball He's player. He's a basketball player. <laughs> <laughs> Both of um, us right away. Basketball player. <laughs> Pokemane and designer? The designer's a rapper. Okay. I'm like, I don't know who that is. Uh, <laughs> He's the guy either. that sings the panda song. What? The, you know the panda song? No. Can I'll we, pull it up for you. Yeah. Play the panda and song. And then um, Gotaga and Demetrius Johnson. Oh, he's a UFC guy. Those are the people that have been announced at this time. <laughs> Hold on, let me let me fast forward. Where are the pandas? Do you not know I've this never, song? I've never heard this song before. <laughs> <laughs> but I like pandas. I'm just over here rocking. Don't mind me. Um, it's panda. Um, okay. Well, where was I? Where was I? I got sidetracked. We were talking there about 3,000. Wait, hold on. Are you done? What does that have any? That's it. Those are the people okay, that have been announced. My bad. Uh, 3,000 tickets will be made available for the event. Tickets will be available for purchase via email link sent to all players for $10 located in the LA area. Um, the invites will be sent in waves until they're gone. Epic is hosting an invite-only party royale, and anyone interested in attending can swing by the official Fortnite booth on the show floor for a chance to win or receive a ticket. You must be over 18 to be eligible. So if you're planning to go to E3 and you want to go to the party royale, make your way to the Fortnite booth. Um, we'll be there. At the Fortnite booth? At the Party Royale. Oh, at the party. Oh, hell yeah, we're going to a party. <laughs> of course we are. There's a party? I'll be like, hey, Did somebody say party? <laughs> Please invite me. Um, alright, so that's it for Fortnite. We're gonna move on now, cause we have a lot to get through on this show. Um, Xbox unveiled the adaptive controller. So this was written up over at the Xbox Wire. So I know this news now is a little bit late, but I thought it was so important that I wanted to make sure to bring it up. Uh, so Phil Spencer wrote, as I discussed at the annual Dice Conference in February, when we truly design for all, we help make the world more equal. That's why I'm so excited about today's Microsoft Story Labs feature, which shares an in-depth look at our newest piece of hardware, which we believe will enable and empower even more Xbox One and Windows 10 game gamers across the globe, the Xbox Adaptive Controller. By taking an inclusive design approach in consideration of gamers who might not be able to reach all of the bumper and triggers or hold a controller for an extended period of time, for example, we were, able, we were able to design a controller that provides a way for more fans to enjoy gaming. On our journey of inclusive design, we have taken a wider view of our fans and a more inclusive approach to designing for them. For gamers with limited mobility, finding controller solutions to fit their individual needs has been challenging. The solutions that exist today are often expensive, hard to find, or require significant technical skill to create. A number of individuals and organizations are creating custom solutions, but it has been often difficult for them to scale when most rigs need to be so personalized. Joining the Xbox family of controllers and devices, the Xbox Adaptive Controller was created to address these challenges and remove barriers to gaming by being adaptable to more gamers' needs. It was developed 
in partnership with organizations around the world, including the Able Gamers Charity, the uh, Cerebral Palsy Foundation, Craig Hospital, Special Effect, and Warfighter Engage. We work closely with them and directly with gamers who have limited mobility to assist in our development. Our goal was to make the device as adaptable as possible so gamers can create a setup that works for them in a way that is plug-and-play, extensible, and affordable. So they showcased the controller in a video and announced that it will be available for $99.99 exclusively through the Microsoft store and will offer significant value over the customized alternatives that exist today, which is 100% true. So many of you know that I sit on the board of Able Gamers and Steve Spawn worked and the rest of the folks over there, Mark and all those guys worked with Xbox and gave them a lot of input about this controller. And when I first, the first year that I met Steve and Mark uh, was at PAX East and they were in the diversity lounge. And I did a feature piece with Steve where he walked me through a bunch of different controllers. And wow, did it open my eyes to the immense hurdles that gamers with disabilities have to go through in order to get specialty controllers so that they can play the games that, you know, we all take for granted that to play. And so when I saw that this news come out, I was absolutely over the moon and I can't thank Xbox enough for working with all of these fantastic organizations to create such an amazing piece of hardware. So definitely just wanted to give them a shout out. Yeah, no, that's super cool. And like you were saying, it's, it's, it's something we take for granted. There's, there's one guy, I can't remember his name, but I remember watching this video of a Guild Wars 2 player and he basically like, he didn't have a lot of use of his hands. So he was using a pen in his mouth and like, Clicking the button, I was like, by, I, I was like, this man is better than me at this video game, and he's using a pen with his mouth. This is fucking incredible. Like, it was just, I mean, we're adaptive little suckers, aren't we? We'll make it work, but it's really cool that they, uh, that they did this. Yeah, and if you guys are interested in helping out any of these organizations, obviously I'm spotlighting Able Gamers because I do work with them. Um, they are accepting donations at ablegamers.org uh, to help get these new adaptive controllers into the hands of the people that they are trying to um, bring video games to. So if you are interested in supporting them and helping spread the love with these adaptive controllers, again, ablegamers.org is where you can donate. Um all right. There Wait. Were- There's yes. something. I pulled up Polygon News because cool. I was like, I just want to see if anything else happened today. Did we get some breaking news? And girl, did you hear about the Sea of Thieves content? <laughs> I mean, I kind of did, but how about you inform me better? So I, because I just didn't even know that there was something coming out. And it's coming out real soon. So <laughs> I was like, oh. Uh, so the Hungering Deep is the first expansion. And it will hit on May 29th, which is like soon, a few days Tuesday. after this podcast week, right? will go live. Um, and all of the content, this will be available for free. And it will, most importantly, I think for us, uh, actually have a story campaign with the first quote unquote real character Ooh. of the game centered around a quest to uncover the secrets of the Hungering Deep. Mary Merrick appeared in the teaser trailer and now he's the game's first campaign character. Um, there will be exclusive cosmetic items. Uh, Ooh, tattoos and scars. Yes, please. Uh, oh, God. Okay, pirates now have access to a third instrument, the drum, and a speaking trumpet, which I don't know what that means. Do, you, <laughs> do either of you want to know what a speaking trumpet is? I have no uh, idea. Oh, okay. It will allow them to project their voice to other crews across the waves. That sounds terrible. 
Um, <laughs> sure, why not? Um, and now players can display different flags. Flags will show intent. There's a skull and bones. So, you know, if you want to be a little more, more aggro. And then there are other flags that are like an olive branch, which suggests me that you're like peaceful. Although people are going to troll the shit yeah, out of yeah, you with that are. olive branch flag. That seems like a bad idea. Yeah, it does. No one's going to tell the truth. Everybody lies on the internet. Um, and then let's see. Persistent content. When the campaign ends, the new AI threat and supporting infrastructure will remain in the world. This will be a standard for future expansions while playing at launch, uh, can get you some excellent stuff and the ability to peruse the in-game quest. The world will be forever changed by the expansion. Um, so yeah, that's kind of the gist of it, but I'm more interested in like, oh, there's like a little story here. I hope it's somewhat interesting. Yeah, I think, you know, you and I have talked about waiting for some kind of meaningful content update before jumping back in. I don't know if this is enough to get me in yet. I think it's, it's um, number one, I like that it seems fairly fast after launch. Um, and two, I like that they're kind of moving in the direction I want it to. I agree that I don't know that I'm quite there yet, but like this, this pleases me. I like that they are making steps in the right direction for me as a player. Obviously, there's a lot of people who are playing it right now who still really enjoy it. True. Kim, are you playing Sea of Thieves? No. <laughs> and no. All right. Well, we were going to potentially talk about what's happening with the PlayStation. But um, so basically, I'm just going to sum it up real quick. Um, there was a call that happened and a Wall Street Journal reporter um, talk to John Cadera, who's, you know, the head of, of PlayStation right now. And they're like, we're sunsetting the PS4. But for another three years, it's going to be a really long sunset. It's like um, a summer sunset in Sweden, a.k.a. the sun doesn't go down. Yeah, it's just it's still going to just be going. Essentially, what they were saying is that or what Cadera was saying was that they're focusing on new IP. They're focusing on software and that they're not going to do, we're not going to hear anything about PS5 for at least three years. I'm happy so about that. that. Yeah. 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 So we can stop speculating. It's going to be a period leading up to March 2021 as a time for SIE, that's Sony Interactive Entertainment, to quote, crouch down while preparing for more growth after that point. So, <laughs> so why would you say that? I don't know. Like, crouched down. Okay, maybe this is just because gamers, but my first thought of crouched down is teabagging someone. Oh no, they're gonna teabag everybody. <laughs> oh, that's weird. Don't do that. Oh, oh my gosh. Um, it, it sounds like they are. They've. They're like, hey, we conquered this generation. We're at the top. We no longer have to focus on pushing hardware, hardware, hardware. We're just going to focus on pushing software, which is great because I think they are at a place where, you know, I think more games is great and I will play the games that they put out for, for PlayStation. They've been killing it so far, having a great and year. And they're all beautiful. Yeah. Like every, I have zero complaints about the graphic fidelity that I currently have. Yeah. yeah. Could the frame rate be a little better? Sure. That's about it. Yeah. Yeah. But I'm happy with 30 frames per second, locked or 60 frames per second, if it if that's what I get. I don't need unlocked frame rates. I'm good. No, I'm all good. I'm Me good. too. Cool. Um, so how about we'll take a short break. When we come back, we are going to talk about what we've been playing. I've been playing some uh, some zombie games. Uh, Kim has been playing some robot games. And Steimer has been playing... 
some zombie and robot games. Ooh, it's going to be a good one. And then don't forget, in the third segment, we've got lots to talk about from Judges Week, including Kingdom Hearts, Days Gone, Dreams, Divinity Original Sin, Call of Duty Black Ops 4, and some other cool indie stuff you probably haven't heard of. So uh, grab a beverage, take a bath and break, or keep driving if that's what you're doing. Maybe you're running. I met uh, somebody who listens to the podcast while they run. Maybe that's you. Just keep trucking along. We'll be right back. You can do it. Everybody, uh, this is the part of the show where I tell you that the What's Good Games podcast is brought to you by Patreon.com slash What's Good Games this week. That's us. You, that's us. If you missed our anniversary stream, we announced some cool new changes to our Patreon. Of course, people who support us over at Patreon.com slash What's Good Games. Make sure that everyone around the world, whether you listen on podcast formats, whether you watch at YouTube.com slash What's Good Games, or, or whether someone relays the information to you in, in interpretive dance, it, but it comes to you for free. And that is because in part of the wonderful folks who support us and pledge to our Patreon. So for just $1... A month, you can get access access to our Patreon exclusive vlogs, which are beginning in the month of June. Right now, uh, we have one last Patreon exclusive video, which is Brit hilariously drawing a Microsoft Paint artwork that is going to be on the postcards that get mailed out in June. Um, so the postcard tier is also one of the things that you can get on Patreon. You can get a custom postcard from us once a month and we'll write you a little note. I like to do really bad jokes. Sometimes Steimer writes hers when she's had too many martinis and sometimes Britt draws on hers. It's You never know what you're going to get. Something different every month. We also have a new Polaroid tier, which is pretty cool. So you can get a signed Polaroid from from us, and that also includes the postcard. Uh, we've got the secret segment, which is a fun thing that we do once a month. We'll record an extra little mini show. What do we talk about? It varies. One month, we talked about what we were like in high school. Uh, one month, we talked about New Year's resolutions. Uh, or maybe that was on the regular show. Uh, it's hard. Those we- things get really like jumbled. It's- <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, don't try to remember all the secret segments. There's it's too many. It's hard because you're like, we just talk all the time. So <laughs> like, what was that for? I don't know. It's true. Um, I'm realizing that I, I, I did something wrong with your framing <laughs> and now your head's really big in the frame. <laughs> Mine? Yeah. This is oh, my man. fault. It's cause I made the, it's cause I made the box bigger. Hold on. <laughs> We're doing it live, ladies and gentlemen. Simon, while I'm fixing it, why don't you tell the folks a little bit more about our Patreon? Oh god. Okay. Uh, well, um, do you remember? We have one and, uh, it's got some cool stuff on it and Britt's really good about hopping in there and managing the community cause she's the best. And, we post a lot of fun stuff and we made a lot of changes um, because of the one or not because of it, but at the one year stream that uh, we talked about a few of those things Andrea has mentioned. Um, and I'm stoked. And also, this is not really Patreon related, but I'm just talking and I'm nervous. <laughs> so uh, because of the one year stream, my bad dad you nailed streams it, Simon, are coming you nailed back. It. So look out for those. Don't forget, patreon.com slash what's good games. Okay, time to talk about what we've been playing. So, um, as you may be aware, uh, this week, a couple of games came out. Kim, 
you have been playing Detroit Become Human, a PlayStation console exclusive. Shall we, uh, shall we do some, uh, deep diving? Your review is up over at GameInformer.com right now, is that Yes, not? yes it is. Um, it's a very fascinating game. Like, I was totally engrossed by this game since the moment I played it. Like, I finished it in two days straight because that's all I did with my time. Um, and it does a lot of good things for choice in games. Like, there's all these branching paths. I had two playthroughs, and I played through the ending, like, four times because there's so many different variations. There's even more than that. I was just talking to someone in the office this morning, and he had we had totally different scenes where, like, oh, that can happen in yours. So it's great for choice in games. Um, it does what david cage does very well which is the little moments between characters and the relationships but it falls into a lot of the same problems that his past games have had with like heavy rain which like this game has an insane amount of plot holes that just drive me nuts that it builds up to this and then it's you you're like wait a second they never explain how that happened or wait that's naive how could that happen um so there, there's a little twist. Like, I, it kept me engaged. It's a hard one to review because it kept me engaged the whole time. But sometimes I was like, all right, this is a little much. I don't like how much it references. Like, um, it's very heavy-handed. So it references the civil rights movement a lot and tries to compare it to what's going on with um, – I should explain, like, there's – you're playing as three different androids and humans have basically in society – treated androids like they're slaves so they can you know do their housework watch their kids they control everything they do and in detroit become human what's happening is some of the um robots are starting to form free will and feel emotions and then it's that whole thing like what is a machine a machine or like this plot has been done in sci-fi before so it's not anything unique to that but i think where we're at right now with technology and hearing all these like robots that are coming out and you know we have self-driving cars it's it's very interesting to see where it could go and i don't i try we all know it's gonna end badly i don't know why we keep doing it exactly stop it well humans are gonna abuse that like crazy like there's no way am i allowed to swear on here by the way of course you are okay i just want to make sure i I was like i was about to and then i stopped myself um but it's so okay that there's that going on but the whole game lets you choose how you want to approach the situation so you can be very passive in how you go about because one guy is uh, marcus is just played by jesse williams very handsome um <laughs> well then well, sign me yeah, up well um and actually has the most um the worst arc in my opinion because his is very like black and white with um choices so it's like you either want to be passive or rebellious and so you get those to determine the other relationship you have is this girl named Kara who's taking care of a little girl named Alice who's from an abusive home so you see scenes of abuse like it isn't I don't think game games can handle that content, but I would warn people who are very sensitive to that stuff just to be aware that there is stuff like that in this game. It is very violent. It does not hold back. Um, and it's very different because with this game, as opposed to something like The Walking Dead, which is very violent, this game is very, very realistic looking. And I will say, like, the technical, like, abilities and the graphics are just how lifelike 
it feels real almost in that sense. Like it's very, very like you sh- even right down to the facial hair, you can see like the little, the little specks and stuff. So, um, just to be worn by people, but it's an interesting thing is like an Android wanting to take care of a little girl. Um, and then the other one is you play as a guy named Connor who hunt, he's a, he's trained to hunt deviants who are people who, are showing and displaying emotions, which they're calling errors in their programs. Um, so you get to kind of decide with him if you want to stick to the mission or, you know, start to feel emotions yourself about how these people should be treated. And I think what's done well is all these characters have another character attached to them that show a different side to the world on the human side. And like, some are good, some are bad. Um, everybody's got their own things going on, but Ultimately, like I said, after every chapter, you get a branching path that shows, like, all the different variations of your choices. And, God, by the time you get to the end of the game, you're like, wow, if they wrote so many different scenes, so many different ways. And I think, like, for people who have been like, I want my choices to mean something except, like, path A to B. I want it to be all these, like, it's it's really amazing for what it does for choice in games. I just wish... Um, some of the heavy handedness, some of the, this overall story writing was a little stronger. But other than that, like, despite those things, it's like heavy rain and indigo prophecy. You have to suspend your disbelief for a second to enjoy it. But if you do, you'll enjoy it. Like, it's, it's a, you know, it's not perfect in any ways. And you can spot the holes if you want to, just like you can do in movies or books. And so. It really is. If you like choice games, if you like story-based games, I I tell everyone it's worth playing. It's just go into it knowing that there are some problems with it. There's a lot of plot holes. Did I say that like five million times? (laughs) Because that was was like my biggest thing with the game is like I was playing. So I was playing it. I was so engrossed. And then when I stopped to think about it, then I was like, wait a second. That doesn't make sense. Or they never even explained how that happened. And so it's a game that like when you really stop to think about it, you start to like spot all the little flaws. But when you're playing it, you're having a fun time. So it's this weird. Not that an Android revolution is fun by any means. That's not what I'm saying. But, you know, you're you're into these characters and into their stories and you want to see where they lead. Um, And like I said, I think it's an interesting like people, you know, are harping on it because they're like, oh, this has been done before. But I'm like, but this is very real to like where we're going with technology. Like it's so creepy, too, because you get a survey after some time that you play and it asks you all these questions like how many like would you let an android watch your children how many uh, like do you think you're addicted to technology how many hours do you spend a day on technology so think of all the data they're collecting on this but you get to see like how the percentage is. what are you most excited for i put like space travel like it's all these <laughs> things that you know we're currently thinking about and wondering like where are we gonna go next and it is interesting because I do like and that's and that's good if a game's making me think I think at the end of the day about other things then it's done a pretty good job um but it's, it's just the world is really built up well like I said the only thing is it needs to like it I would have liked if it less relied on comparisons to the civil rights movement and just let it spoke that spoke sorry oh speak for itself is better to say for that and because i think too like you can't come those things are different in many ways oh yeah put those struggles together and there's some like very 
dialogue heavy stuff that you're like, just I wish you didn't that didn't go there. But other than that, if you like, yeah, I think one of the things I liked about um, the way like the Gath story. Granted, it's not the whole game, but I liked the Gath storyline in Mass Effect because it wasn't super like heavy handed. Yeah, exactly. Like, yes, you know, and it kind of let it. Let the Gath, like, be their own thing. Well, it's like, let people make those comparisons in their head for themselves. They get it. They don't need it to be beaten over the head with it. And that's how it felt throughout the game. Like, androids have to sit in the back of the bus. Of course they do. Yeah. Um, because they're that, like, it's all that with segregation. Um, there's... I still think, are there any lines, like, so, I know that there are some, like, cringe lines, because I believe you told me them. Um, oh, man. That- yeah, that was when we were at a... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, yeah. There are, but like the there. one line I still remember, and like that resonates with me from the Gath was with Legion asking, "Does this unit have a soul?" Mm-hmm. And like I think just like the simplicity of that was enough. Yeah, and that's what this game is exploring, but it's really being heavy-handed with it. Um, so you have to decide where you want to go with that. Yeah, there's a line. It's not verbatim, but. They, the one guy starts off who's leading the android uprising. He's like, I have a dream. And you're like, oh, no, you know, <laughs> like, don't do that. <laughs> or like, there's another scene that I entered where you meet up with a black woman who's helping you like cross the border. And you're like, why are you helping me? And she goes on this like speech of like, because my people once went through this. And it's like, oh, Oof. So do you think that it's going to be controversial for people? Yes, um, I, I think that- it'll be all over the place for people. I think people are either going to love it or they hate it or just – I think even if you, like, play it, either way, you're going to be fascinated by it because nothing has been done with choice in games like this before. And even just, like, despite its flaws, it's just so – intriguing it's only like i personally i loved heavy rain and i could like i knew after the plot holes were all shown like i'm like yeah that makes sense but for what it was i liked it um beyond i liked up until we got to navajo and then i was like what is going on here um and for me it, it kind of like went all over the place it's better than beyond um i think it asks more important questions than beyond did um and i already it, forgot the questions beyond was even asking yeah, i was so confused by that game yeah it starts and that's the thing too i want to like say to people it starts off like beyond start off really promising and then just kind of went all over the place this game starts off really promising and it kind of it stays interesting but you start to be very weary of like where it's going and why certain things haven't been explained and it just seems like a cop-out i even played extra scenes to like make sure they weren't giving this information in like other like arcs i was missing and that's that's kind of shitty to be honest with you if that's the way you're gonna do it i got a little bit more answers but nothing that was very concrete because they build up all these mysteries and then it's like it all meant nothing like not that it feels like you know kind of in the way of what you're gonna do but so similar to like in heavy rain if you haven't played that game by now sorry (laughs) um like how they'd have like ethan blackout like with and then have a pizza origami and you're like what the fuck's going on here yeah and then they never explain it worse than that yeah it's worse than that okay because at one point like they showed this at e3 so i'm not spoiling anything like marcus can go up to people and convert them and be like he's the android uprising laser and can be like you're free now 
it's never explained how he has this ability except like one little hint of it you get but even that explanation's not very satisfying or it's kind of like that's freaking crazy no what is he like a code breaker hand or some shit well maybe maybe (laughs) maybe free will is contagious i don't know oh no maybe i mean maybe it is i actually have no who knows i don't know i'm not a robot or maybe I don't know. I mean, our, I think we're all robots. I like this in a way. because I'm actually right now rocking like a. God, I gotta get this a Yorha mug from Near Automata. So we can't see it. You got to put it all the way all up the way up. Your all face. right, do you got it? In front oh, of your there face. You go. There you go. Got it. So I actually funny because that game was also about like you know machines and having souls and does this unit have a soul? does it yeah i think it's interesting especially you know with how popular westworld is and you know they're exploring exactly. a lot of those a lot of those themes in in that tv series as well and you know you've got uh things like blade runner and you know a, a bunch of different intellectual properties that are exploring this idea of sentient machines um even in the new um in the new star wars movie in mm-hmm. solo a star wars story there's like a thread about this idea about the the androids and you know like who are they are they people are they not people and it's it's interesting i i don't I, it's hard for me to imagine like our world being so overrun with machines and i kind of struggle with that debate because my gut reaction is like no they're just a machine like somebody designed them and made yeah. them they're not they're not like real things they're literally just a machine but then like you watch some of these shows and you're like man they're making a good case well yeah but, i mean you still like you got like like parts and stuff you don't have a heart then it gets like really like existential and philosophical being like well what makes us people do we really have souls and then i like i'm like this is way too much some people believe objects have souls um especially i think in a lot of japanese culture and stuff um but besides that like i think what's interesting with this game is the way it presents it too is like you're looking at this world that might be a possibility one day. Um, and there's a good scene in the beginning, which isn't as heavy handed, but like humans are mad at machines because they're taking their jobs and they don't know how to like earn money. If you can have a machine do it better than a human. And we've kind of seen that a little bit, you know, with the self checkouts and everything where they're like, Oh, but people are losing their jobs for that. Well, the car industry as well. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Um, and it makes you think, like, yeah, of course humans wouldn't be happy about this because then you you take away the stuff that, like, makes people have drive and motivation to do any – have anything with their lives. Like, if you could have everything done for you easily, everybody would be like, oh, yeah, that would be fun for, like, a little bit. And then you'd be, like, be like – Wally. We'd I was about it, to say Wally. It's we'd Wally all turn into, like, fat. Fatties, <laughs> like, little floating beds. But like I said, I don't like I gave the game an eight, just a solid eight. And it's because I feel like it's really ambitious. It has its flaws, but it really at the end of the day, I can't say I didn't enjoy playing it. And I can't say that I didn't sit there thinking about it after I finished. So, yeah, I think David Cage does like interesting things, which is why even if his stuff doesn't quite like Mm -hmm. hit a home run, I always think that. His stuff is intriguing, and it, it usually, it's, like, usually pretty well-polished. Yes. It's a good experience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. So, like, if you really – I'd say I'd put it – I put it better than beyond, maybe a touch below uh, Heavy Rain. So, if below you Below Heavy Rain. Interesting. Mm-hmm. 
I really liked Heavy Rain, though. People give me so much shit for that, but I, oh, okay. I just thought... Is there a Jason moment? No. Jason? No. I'm sure there's, there Jason. are moments. I guarantee there are moments that I will not spoil because you have to experience for yourself that are like that, oh, yeah. that are going to catch on as, like, memes yes. or other things, and you'll just be like, even for me, since I was like, really? That's, that's what's going to happen? That's how I'm going to solve that problem? But, you know... I can't wait. That's part of the I'm fun excited. of it, right? Is it's like it's so absurd. It it works in a weird way too. Um, but no, I'll warn everybody: no awkward sex scenes. At least that was avoided. Damn it! Whew. I mean, I liked the awkward sex. Cyrus <laughs> yeah. like, aww. Is there an awkward shower scene where I get naked for no reason no, whatsoever? No nakedness. Um, but there are. <laughs> There are some parallels, I'd say, to Heavy Rain with, like, the certain situations they put you in. It's, you're you're running through – it's basically, you know, QTEs, quick time events for, like, uh, fights, uh, investigations, and you're doing a lot of chasing. I can't wait for everybody to die because I'm terrible at those. <laughs> oh, I got the worst ending on my first playthrough, and I was like, I should have freaking known better. Like, honestly, I just – I'm too trusting of people. It's just – and I couldn't be mean about something, and it's not that you're mean about it, but whatever. So then I replayed it uh, a couple of times, and I'm like, oh, so that's like – oh, that's how that turns out. Oh, I'm like, well, I just know if there's ever like an Android uprising, I just would ruin everything and it would never <laughs> – I wouldn't survive it because I'd be like, oh, yeah, I'm going to trust this person here. No, don't do that. Also, there's a sh- – but although there's no like sex scenes, there's a shoe-horned um, romance that's a little, little uh, awkward. It just comes out of nowhere. It's not built up too well. I just feel like mm. don't put the romance in the game if you can't make it interesting. I don't know. I feel like so many people are like, oh, this game needs a romance. And then just – That's how I felt about Beyond. Yeah. It's the same thing there. It's like you just put Where these two people like, together. Yeah. I just like this person that was being a dick to me in the last scene. I don't understand. Yeah. Why am I in love with you? <laughs> I don't. What? No. Yeah, but These you guys are should the totally of our time. You guys should totally stream <laughs> um, it or like play it together. I play it side by side too to just see some of the different variations because um, it's that it's that deep and amazing in the way that everybody. Because I played at a preview event before I did this, and all the screens around me had different things going on in them depending what path you choose. Which I just think that's what people have been asking for from games. So this is your chance to see, like, do you actually really like that? Like, how how far do you want choice to go? Very good points. Um, we'll definitely have to once Britt gets back. Maybe we can talk about doing this oh i would love the to line. see brit on this oh man <laughs> um well thanks so much again if you guys want to check out kim's full review that's over at gameinformer.com um on to another game that came out this week and thank you to xbox for providing both steimer and i codes for state of decay 2 um, Britt, of course, will have her thoughts when she returns from her vacation. So this was uh, kind of pivoting to Xbox's first party exclusive that is on Xbox One and PC. This was the uh, long-awaited sequel to State of Decay, and it's a four-player co-op zombie adventure. We talked about it after a preview event last month. I was... Not super impressed when I saw it then, and uh, I have to say, I've warmed up to it a little okay. bit. Having fun, 
But as I mentioned on Games Daily earlier this week, man, oh man, the jank is Mm. real. That's what Um, I've heard. Technical issues kind of galore. Yeah. I don't have that many problems. So this is what I've been hearing. So I, I didn't go on a rant on Games Daily. I was talking about some of the things I like, but I also said that I thought in this day and age, in 2018, we're talking about a first party supported exclusive, right? So Microsoft mm-hmm. is giving money towards the development of this game that I thought the level of brokenness in the game was unacceptable because I'm having bugs every few minutes in my playthrough and it's unfortunate and i hope that they are going to put out a patch and that some of these issues will go away and when i when i talked about this very strongly on the show um a lot of people reached out to me in the comments and were like i haven't had any issues with my game and then a lot of people were like i've had issues with my game and it seems like as any game that has bugs Mm -hmm. your experience is always going to be is always going to determine your opinion of the game so I can't, I told people, I was like, listen, if you're not experiencing the, experiencing the bugs, that's awesome. But like, there's a couple other things that I'm having trouble forgiving. Um, and I think if this was like an indie game, I would not have any of these issues. I'd be like, oh, you know, they, they did this cool co-op experience and it's fun and the gameplay loop is addictive yet a little bit unrewarding, but I don't really care because there's something super addictive about like the go out and scavenge, come back and drop off, go out and scavenge, come back and drop off like loop that you do. Um, I just wish there was more happening. I, I'm about, six hours in and i haven't really gotten any story bits at all yet and i know that you kind of got to piece those together and there's not really a whole lot of story in this game but i mean some of the bugs that have been kind of bothering me like when i go back to my community the gate always looks like it's open but i have to hit the open button and then the texture of the gate closed pops back in and then it opens that's like literally every time I go to my community that happens. Did you guys play the um, first one? No. no. Okay. Yeah, the first one was like a cult kind of a cult hit that came out of nowhere that was just like a smaller game still had technical issues. So I was very curious when they went bigger and had more money to work with how it would shape up and it's kind of disappointing to hear that there's still stuff like that in it. Um and maybe it was just being more ambitious this time around like ambition sometimes costs you in a way if you're not completely ready for it either. Uh you know, I don't know what your thoughts are on your You guys seem to have two different experiences which I think is funny because I've had that happen to me too or you know readers have been like oh how could you do this i I had so many bugs and i'm like i didn't have that experience like it only speak to what happened with me but the fact that it's happening to numerous people and people are waiting on patches for it um leads me to believe that it probably needed a little more testing before it was put out i feel like it's weird because like i i I read a lot about bugs Mm -hmm. and i was like and so when i went to fire it up last night i was like okay prepare yourself like i'm sure it's gonna be real janky and then the only thing that I noticed was just like the frame rate dipped sometimes. And I was like, that's so lucky because I was when like, I go to my community, <laughs> like the, the different little, uh, areas that you mm-hmm. build around your community, those whole things just pop in and out. So like when I go to drop off a rucksack, for example, like the little like graphical thing that shows you like, this is the area where you drop off the rucksacks right. half the time, half the time. And I'm not exaggerating. It's just not there. And I just know where to go and hit the Y button because that's where I've always gone to drop it off. 
but then sometimes I'll be standing there and like the texture will pop back in and it'll like pick up my character and like move it to the side. It's just, it's That's just, weird. It, it's everywhere. And characters will just like stop the, the animations and the mouths will just like stop moving oh, no. all together and they'll just be like, Oh, like, I did notice that. I guess and, I just didn't really care. See, right, like, like, to me, this game, I think I would care more if it was like a real story driven game, yeah. but since it's kind of not, I'm like, meh, your mouth's not moving, but that's fine. Yeah, I got <laughs> really bothered when I first, and I don't want to bring up past things, but uh, when I first played uh, Mass Effect Andromeda, it was way early, and my girl's hair wouldn't animate right, and it just, in every scene, like, it was trying to have highlights, but it was just like this weird floaty thing, and it distracted <laughs> me so much that I'm like, I can't play this until I fix this, and you know what? I'm not picking another hairstyle because that's the one I like, you know? like it was just me being stubborn about it but i don't like i it breaks immersion for me if it's a very story heavy game like you said but if it's something like this where it's like there's not much you're making your own stories i feel like by participating in that world so but it it can be distracting i I was a fun bug now that i think of it this again like it was so dumb i didn't even like really it didn't detract from my experience whatsoever but i like switched to a different player or a different person in the community and then and she looked normal like different and then i went back to the base and then she like transformed into one of the other characters and i was like wait what like her face just like went to what be one of the other people and i was like wait who what and so i went to the thing to make sure that i was still the same girl that i was before and i was and then as i walked around her face like popped back to what it was supposed to be i thought that was hilarious i don't know to me like the things the bugs that i care about are like more game impactful shit yeah. like if like you said like you're constantly like if things are popping in that weren't there Losing or if, like is a big one oof, that, that's that one is the a killer one. like i i have no patience for that like <laughs> my time is limited as it is and when i play a game i do not want to repeat content because of a bug that didn't let me oh no i won't one. i will just that's i'm that's done it. playing yeah. that game Agreed. And uh, so far, I have not run into any game-breaking bugs. Um, but when we played before, in mo- and I haven't played any multiplayer, though. So when we played before multiplayer, we experienced a bunch of crashes. So I haven't gotten to test mm-hmm. that yet. Steimer, maybe you and I can uh, check out some multiplayer and see how it goes. But that aside, besides the fact that I'm, like, like irritated that there's so many bugs. And, like, listen, I... I know. Please don't like at me. Like I know the games have <laughs> bugs. Like people coming at me being like, but Bethesda, you know, they uh, always get a pass for all of their bugs. And I was Bethesda like, no, games they don't. are giant. They are. Compared they are to, giant. Compared to State of Decay, like, and and I'm just like, listen, I get that all games have bugs. You know, Assassin's Creed have bugs. Fallout has bugs. Like games just have bugs. I get that. But like my point and the reason I'm mad is because and I'm not mad. I'm really just more irritated. Is that like I just they're they're constant in my game mm-hmm. and that sucks and that just like it takes me out of it mm-hmm. and I'm just trying I'm just trying to fucking pick up some medical rucksacks so people in my fucking community turn that frown upside down because I oh hate seeing that morale is low it bothers me everyone is massively depressed right now in my community oh. and here okay so this is like so I've been playing for a few hours. And I'm like doing okay, right? I'm like, all right, this game's not that bad. Okay, you know, I got the food, I got the thing, I'm gonna build a garden. Like, I'm like, okay, I've got like a little groove going here, everything's fine. And then I go 
to like build one. I'm like, okay, well, let's build a workshop because I have enough supplies, building supplies to do that. We have plenty of food. We have plenty of medicine. We have plenty of the things that you would want to be happy. But as soon as I got rid of all my building materials, everyone's fucking mad. And I'm like, <laughs> why would you care if you didn't have a supply of like stone or wood around? Like, is that really so important that you can't? fucking live anymore you're just so depressed with your life because you don't have stupid building materials to add on to this dumb commune like i don't know that made me upset because i was doing really well they are (laughs) whiny bitches whiny one thing and i was like this just doesn't make any sense to me logically if if i was if i had zero food i would get it right (laughs) like yeah everyone's gonna be pissed because they can't fucking eat but for them to be mad that there's just no literal building materials around just drives me crazy that's, that's it's, a good point, though. It's dumb. Yeah. So I'm, you know, I'm probably going to give it a couple more goes. There are other games that I want to, you know, try out. But much like Sea of Thieves, I'm like, I guess I wait until they patch it and it gets better. And I'm like, this is now, like, kind of strike two with Xbox first party exclusives well, for me. Not just Xbox, but how many times do we say this? Um, I was actually having a really interesting conversation with, uh, Jeff Keeley, who is like, what if you just never downloaded any patches for a game and just played it purely at its essence when it released? And just like, because sometimes there's patches and you don't really think they're changing much or anything, but like, what you got back if you go back to the days when like you just got the disc and that's what it was um and now we sit here and we're like we see these games released and they are much more ambitious so they are obviously more difficult to execute well but i can't tell you how many that i've said and it it happens more and more each year i'm like i'll just wait till they patch it and that's exactly how I feel about State of Decay 2 because people have been telling me about the bugs. And I'm like, well, I'll just wait till they have a couple patches. But then what happens is I never go back because then the buzz is over and nobody's playing anymore. But everyone – so everyone has this nostalgia wheel of like, games didn't used to have patches. And you're like, yeah, so if they were fucking broken, they were fucking yeah, broken. Exactly. And At like, least you they were just shit out of luck. Like at, uh, Quest for Glory 4 had a game-breaking bug in it. Yeah. And you were just, like, what were you going to do? You were going to do literally nothing. Yeah. Um, like, eventually, the internet worked a way around it where, like, you could download this thing off the, a thing internet off the internet. Saved. Basically, like, an item. Internet can item do you some good sometimes for us. The internet did good there, but it was like, you would have just, you would have paid money for this game and then just not oh, been yeah. able to play it. I, I don't know what the answer is because, like I said, too, like, do I want the ambition of a game to go down? Do I want, look, I want developers to keep trying new things. Um, it's just sometimes I play these games and I'm like, would another month or two made this any better? I don't know. I don't know if they needed more testing or what, but I feel like we get into these places and I've just been saying this, like even like Kingdom Come Deliverance, I really wanted to play that game, but I was waiting until, and I've recently, you know, started picking that up because of the fact that they've patched now and fixed that save system that people didn't like and other things. Um, I I think the thing that I, that I noticed most about my time with State of Decay and the thought that just came to my mind, my instinctual reaction to it was this game is slow like this is just a slow game and like to me i wouldn't go back to it unless i'm doing co-op with like somebody else like i just because i'm like all right i'm like you stick around everywhere because you don't want to alert the zombies that's slow you're probably taking them out one at a time slow you're probably sitting there holding y for fucking ever to search things 
slowly so that you don't make noise so that you don't attract more zombies and i'm just like okay so like, it, I get it it doesn't have like a strong like routine pool like say a game like Stardew Valley or something like that where like Oh my god, I love Stardew so Valley. So do I. Where you're just going or I think we talked about this before we're going around and around doing this like similar things but still feel like you're making progress and advancing somewhat and like having some variation on what you can do cuz you know there's those comfort games like I consider Stardew Valley definitely a comfort game where I'm like I can just keep going back to this and I, you know, will do similar things each day and that doesn't change the fact that I still feel like, hey, I'm making money. I'm getting somewhere here. <laughs> you know, I talked to this person. Yeah. I gave them a gift. Now they love me. It's beautiful. <laughs> I know, right? Here's a turnip. Enjoy your life. Uh, <laughs> if only it were that easy, I would give everybody turnips. Dude, if that's how you made people like you, you're like, here's an egg. I love you. <laughs> They the were world, like, the world I would love be a you better too. Place. You've given me 30 eggs. This is amazing. Life would be so much easier. Why is that? Why is life not like this? It would because help me out a lot. <laughs> because we don't live in Stardew Valley. Um, so do you have any parting thoughts, Steimer, on uh, State of Decay before we move on to uh, your robots? Oh, yeah. Uh, no, just like what I what I said before, it's... It's more of a of a, a management loop that I think will probably be more fun with other people. I find it fine on my own. It's just not something that I gravitate toward. So if you are really like super into that, like for me, I didn't run into a lot, like a whole lot of, I've run into nothing game breaking, so I would just play it now, but that's just me. <laughs> that's my two cents. But yeah, and then I um I jumped back in to good old Horizon oh, for some other robots. Yay! I love that. Sorry, that's like mm, I love that game so much. <laughs> no, yeah, I love it too. That's great. It makes and before me smile. you before you go into uh, your uh, thoughts on the Frozen Wild, which is, of course was the expansion that came out last fall, um, I have to give a giant thank you to whoever our secret art gifter was. So uh, we posted it on the What's Good Twitter account. Um, we were gifted this beautiful glass piece of artwork where it says What's Good Games in the Horizon Zero Dawn font, and then... There are like four different Aloys at the bottom of the screen and they each have a different color hair to represent the four um, of us at What's Good. And there was a message inside that says, always remember the journeys you had together as you move forward to new adventures lying beyond the horizon. And it was just like such a thoughtful, sweet gift. Yeah. So, and, it, and there was it wasn't signed by anybody. So, whoever wow. you are out there that sent it, um, it was very kind. And um, when I uh, redesigned the studio, which is happening soon, I've started amassing furniture and Ooh. microphone boom arms. Um, uh, we're gonna try to get it up on the wall in here somewhere. So, um, thank you, thank you for that. Um, so, Steimer, robots, mm-hmm. robots, yes. Um, what do you, how have so you yeah, been finding I the back into frozen wilds? Oh, go ahead. What? Oh, I said, how have you been finding the Banuk? Oh, it's good. It's very good. Um, I, I don't know why I, I jumped back into this. I think because after God of War, I was like, I don't know what I want to yeah. play. And I'm feeling strange and like, I, like no video game will be better than this. <laughs> it's hard. That's what so, everybody says after they finish God of War. It's like, 
I don't know what to play now. What What is even going to feel like that? Yeah, and so then I was going through, like, just the titles on my PlayStation, and I was like, oh, hurrah, oh, yeah, I haven't finished that DLC. Maybe I'll, maybe I'll pop back into that snowy tundra. Um, and I've, I've still really been enjoying it. Like, it's a kind of comfort food yep. game for me now, too. Uh, and the only, it's not even really an issue, but I will say, like, holy bejesus, the new robots they added in that are fucking hard. So hard. And I'm level 51. Yeah. I, and I feel like I do no damage. I was really high level when I was taking them on, too. And I was like, but then I would find, like, ways to cheat the system, like, go up on a rock where they couldn't reach you and just, like, shoot arrows. Cheese it? Yeah, I cheesed it so many times to get through some of those boss battles. Um, and I almost felt bad. I'm like, if they put this here... There's a reason. They expect people to sit, stand on this cliff and use it for what it's good for. <laughs> I I also stood on a Thank cliff you. once and was like, pew, pew, pew. <laughs> I, I love like, it. Oh, yeah. You got to cheese it. You got to definitely cheese it through those. Through those I don't think it's cheese it. I think that's strategic thinking, damn it. Right? Like, you can't just, you can't face tank that. Like, that's just not going to work. Would you jump into an area with a machine like that? No. I would strike from afar. From a very, very far. Nowhere near it where I could still hit it and make an impact. But that's my opinion. But yeah. my So I guess my only thought on that was, like, I was concerned that maybe it's not balanced for that, for the level that they intend. Because mm-hmm. I think it says it's level 30-something content. Theoretically, and I'm like, if I'm level 51 and I'm having a hard time with this, I -hmm. cannot imagine what this would feel like at this level. So I think that they maybe messed that up a little bit. Um, I finally got enough blue gleam to like get a new bow. I also feel like there's not enough of that. Mm -hmm. Give me more. I feel like I'm broke as a joke. And I feel like I'm almost done with this content. I always feel like I don't have enough money in that game. And I also feel... Like, I never, I'm always up, I've upgraded everything so I could carry as much as possible, and it's still, I have too much. And it's like, I hate dropping things, because I'm a hoarder, so. Same. I hate (laughs) encumbrance, it's dumb. Yes, it makes me so mad, because I'm like, well, what if I need this later? I'll be that person with, like, 99 of an item at the end of the game, and be like, but I was waiting till a battle got really hard, where I really, really needed it. Uh, But for that game in particular, I constantly, because I would just, like, I just love the routine of it, the, the flow, just being able to gather stuff, trying to get, like, better weapons everything so i was picking up everything and anything and i i was like oh this should be fine i'm upgrading constantly how much i can carry i'm like it's not fucking enough i need more space yeah yeah i have not run into the space issue but i'm i'm a i i do hoard but i don't hoard to extremes like when i notice i'm running out of space i'm like all right let me go through here and clean this out and I try and like do my best, so I haven't run into that well, anymore. Cracks me up because like, I sell my shit off all the time for money, and I'm still having this problem. I guess it's just uh, I don't know too much stuff. It's it's my mom. I'm just gonna blame her for all of this. This is why I hoard because I think that's fair. Yeah, you have to blame it on someone, but that that's what who better than your mother, right? <laughs> <laughs> my mother is lovely, um, but yeah. Yes, I'm sure she is. Um, I'm, I'm t- the st- the main story. I think I'm finally getting to like the interesting part. Yeah, yeah, that one takes time. I, to I'm pick kind up. of like, 
I'm kind of like met on it mm-hmm. so far. Like I'm intrigued as to like what will be at the end of it, but the thing along the way, I'm kind of could give her like could take it or leave it. I just want to know. I want to know the end thing. I feel like yeah. the end thing will be good. When I was playing it, I definitely had the same feelings that you had with the story being like slow. Where I was just like, I'm just happy to be back in this game again and playing it and whatever. And I cared more about being back in the world than you know. And, and going through the story, I was like, I guess this is a little interesting, but also just wanted to be playing an expansion of Horizon. So anything would have done for me at that point. Um, but yeah, definitely, it picks up. It gets better. I'll say that. Yeah. So tell me what you think when you finish it. I will. I'm excited. Yeah, Andrew really- made me stop playing it. She was like, play State of Decay. I'm like, okay. That's a- okay, yes, I should I should do Andrew, that. Andrew, I'm sure this has come up a few times about people <laughs> saying you should cosplay as Aloy. Have you ever thought of it? Yeah, I've thought of it. But that costume is so intricate and has so many piece, like small pieces that I don't know... I. I would have to like pay someone to just make it for me. And I know that there's a couple like really good Aloy cosplayers out there. And mm-hmm. um, I would like to carry around like a fake bow. That'd be cool. But I don't know if I, how I would feel about like having to wear all that fur. But I guess it would depend on how I, uh, uh, which costume yeah. I, I pick from hers. Um, I really like the shield weaver armor. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's cool. But um, trying to do that as cosplay might be challenging. You'd also make a good... Yeah, you'd have to get, like, LEDs, right? Yeah. You'd also make a good resave from Persona 4, just saying. Oh. Senpai! (laughs) Thank you. I feel like you Um, have no idea who I'm talking about, so we'll just, like... No, she doesn't. I really have no idea idea whatsoever. But it's really Um, easy, because it's just... You put your hair in in high pigtails, like high pig ponytails, and like a schoolgirl outfit, and you're done. And you're secretly a pop idol. You say R-I-S-E. Persona. Images. Oh, that's cute. She's got a cute outfit. I could do. I could do this. See, yeah, you. Oh, wait, she's like in a bikini. We, we, well, don't don't do oh, that. That's one. Yeah, don't, don't that's do that. Dip- she's a model. Yeah, don't do that. So. One. <laughs> oh, I see. So she's got like a little, like she's got little headphones. Oh yeah, I could. I could do this. No, probably not though. <laughs> You're gonna get so many comments with people telling you to either cosplay as Rise or Aloy now, and I would probably. assume who's gonna win out. Aloy will probably win out because. Persona's more niche, sadly, but... If only I had time to cosplay at one of these shows. Someday, someday, I will take a day off of working at one of these trade shows just to cosplay. But who knows when that's going to be. Um, so, ladies, this has been fun. We have another section of hands-on stuff that Kim and I got a chance to play at Judges Week. Yeah, there we, was... we got to hang out. In person. We did. It was not fun. over the webcam. <laughs> <laughs> in person, where we got to drink wine and play video games. And Kim got to teach me all about uh, all of the Japanese games. And I was like, I don't know what's happening in this game. It was, um, it was it very was, cute because Andrea would be like, wait, how did you get there? Why? What did you do? What? Why? What's going on now? And it was, uh, it was, it was fun. It was fun. Are you speaking specifically about Dragon Quest? I feel like you are. Yeah, I yeah. am. Yeah. All right, ladies and gentlemen, we're going to take another short break. When we come back, we'll have more gameplay for you. Stick with us. We'll be right back.
Welcome back, everybody, uh, to the third segment of the What's Good Games podcast. So, as you guys have noticed, Miss Kimberly Wallace is here from Game Informer, and we both were at the Game Critics Awards Judges Week last week. So, um, I don't know if I explained this on the show. So, the Game Critics Awards are a select group of media that are invited to play a bunch of games at E3 that we vote on them. There's a bunch of different categories that we vote across, and so the idea is to try to play as many games as possible. And because E3 is such a massive show now, a lot of publishers will bring their games to Judges Week ahead of time. And we sign a bunch of like legal documents saying that we can't talk about it, except when they say that we can talk about it. And that's what we're going to do right now. Um, so luckily, there was some really cool stuff there that we can now talk about. Uh, the first big one that, of course, you know, the embargo released uh, a week ago from today was Kingdom Hearts 3, the long-awaited next installment, the next numbered installment in the Kingdom Hearts franchise. So we went to an event. It was actually the last event of the whole week. Um, it was on the promenade in Santa Monica, and there was a bunch of people there. Including, um, uh, Tim Geddes from, um, from Kind of Funny and a bunch of other, uh, invited press. And they did a panel and then we got to play. Did you tell them what you so, did at the panel? I did not tell them what I did at the panel. So I, okay. Oh, I was like, what? Oh, I remember It had been this a story. long week. We had seen, I think Greg talented at 40 games. Oof. And this was the final game of the week. And we sat through a panel. Um, and Nomura-san was there at the panel, and the community manager for uh, Kingdom Hearts was there. Um, and they, of course, were translating everything from Japanese into English. And it just it just went on a little longer than it probably should have. And the reason it was a little frustrating that it went on so long is because they didn't give out no. any new information on the game. And so I was just a little perturbed. That here I am, like, taking notes and, like, nothing is new. And it's, like, a super long panel. And then at the very end, the community manager makes a big show of saying, all right, the thing that everybody has been waiting for, the release date of Kingdom Hearts. We know that you all want to know. And then he looks at Nomura-san and says, when is Kingdom Hearts 3 releasing? The Nomura-san says something in Japanese. And then the translator says... We will have more to say on that in early June. And I said, ha! <laughs> Just like that. Yep. Out, out, out loud. I saw this you moment have- may or may not have been brought to you by a wine. Andrea I mean, also yes. dropped her phone during this presentation. I was taking notes. Uh-huh. It wasn't like it was- I was being disruptive intentionally. That was an accident. That um, one was on so purpose, I, though. Yeah, so I, may, I, I scoffed because I was frustrated i was like why are you making a big show about telling us the release date and then you don't and then you don't give it to us you say early june just say it's coming at e3 here's what i'm gonna say about square they should not make a big deal about release dates because they threw they always miss them yeah they threw a whole like event for the final fantasy 15 release date and then didn't make it and i like when a developer's like acknowledges i'd rather them take more time to finish a game and and get it to the state where it needs to be in, but I just think it's funny that they're so like let's talk about the release date and you're like are they really gonna hit that I don't know 
Like, are you sure you want to talk about it? Yeah, are you, you sure just you want to commit? <laughs> then again, how long have we been waiting for Kingdom Hearts 3? I was, like, in high school when the first game came out, college when the second game came out. Let's not talk about where I'm at now in my life, but I feel like I've hit every <laughs> milestone possible since then. Um, I'm an engaged woman now, I guess. Like, so that's uh, that's my my experience wait when's your wedding oh god i don't know here's the problem i we're gonna get really off okay track there's no here. dates at never mind i was gonna say it's gonna release at, like all around it your should. wedding um i actually tried looking into how much a wedding would cost at disney and they have different tiers and like if you can't like front up like i think it's over seven thousand dollars you can click a point that's like um it's just a dream <laughs> like on their site like they even make that joke it's like that's kind of rude because <laughs> they're like what's your budget and i mean i expect and you're like i don't have one and they're like lol yeah exactly so fun fact there they're like pat you on the head they're just like mm, but I'm, that's nice of you to want to try here but but i think what it is is that we've been waiting for this game for a long time there's a lot of expectations around it there's a lot that these spin-off games have like added to where the story is going to kind of just give fans that one little taste to keep them while they wait for three but it all comes down to three um where it finishes this arc that we've been following for all these years and um to finally play that uh after waiting so long was just like uh kind of surreal but it's kind of like speaks to the fact that like this game should have been out by now um i've seen a lot of people like someone was teasing me at work today they're like everybody says that kingdom hearts 3 looks like a ps2 game and I was like, what did you think was going to happen with the graphics? I just want to know. Like, I think the graphics look fine. I think they look better than the series has back in those days. But, like, some people are like, it's not enough. It's not enough. What did you expect? I think what we expected was, you know, when you look at what's coming out for console right now in 2018, something that was at least – you know, like on par. Like I would say to you, Kim, do you think the graphics in Kingdom Hearts three are better, equal, or worse than the graphics in Final Fantasy fifteen? Worse. Final but they're different art yeah, styles. They're different arts. Like that's why I'm saying with that art style, I don't know how you make it any better than what they did add, which is making the areas bigger, adding verticality, um, making the battle system more complex. It is a spectacle of all sorts that battle system into more than it's ever been. You have keyblade transformations, you have links that are like summons in past games, and then you also you have your magic, and then on the other hand, you have attractions. You can call attractions into freaking battle, which I just, the Disney fan of me loves. Cool. It's just, it is... You call attractions? Yes. Like, literally, Big Magic Steiner. Mountain. Me and Andrea are yeah. like, teacups! Because the teacups were in there, and we got really excited. Uh, Wait, does it make the other people dizzy? You have to spin around like you're in the teacup and try to, like, maneuver into them. It's it's fun. It's like you're on... The Wait, what? Yeah. Like, you're controlling <laughs> where the teacup, like, the direction of it goes, so you can slam into the enemy and spin them. I have, I have a but does it make the enemy dizzy or are there no status effects? I don't think there's status effects. I think it's just pure DPS. There's also the pirate Uh, ships in there, like other things. Uh, my only worry is like it feels almost like it's too much. Like they're trying to like make you bam, 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 boom, like. Oh, now do this, now do that, now this. Like, you can, like the link, we saw the Wreck It Ralph and Ariel Link, which were very cool, but 
I'm also just like, I'm watching this command bar more than I'm watching like the battle at hand. And that's problematic for a game like Kingdom Hearts, which is very action focused where you need to be paying attention to dodge out of the way. And that's my only big criticism of it. Like, I didn't think the graphics were bad at all. In fact, I didn't like I'm happy they finally put Pixar in the game and we're going to have that Toy Story and Monsters, Inc. And, you know, there's still worlds I think they haven't announced yet. So... Yeah, I I agree with you. I don't think I didn't think the graphics like looked horrendous or anything. Um, but when we, I was talking to Tim about it, he was like, "It looks like you're playing Pixar," and I was like, uh, "That's a stretch." Eh. Um, <laughs> Does it, it? It looks good, but not not that good. I mean, Pixar is like I said is like oh, setting yeah. the bar for animation. There. I just don't know what people expected, except to have yeah. like more high def, like more detail and like a gloss like just with the art style that it is i don't think you can do something that's like comparable to final fantasy quite there um and and two we only saw let's be fair we only saw one boss and we only did um part of the toy story world so totally i mean and that was my caveat through my entire time talking about this on games daily was like we've only seen a little slice of what this game has to offer but i wanted to let you know kim in my notes since uh kim and i shared a station she was playing most of the time and i was furiously taking notes trying to understand everything um i have in quotes all these years the camera still sucks I have that written in my notes. <laughs> Dude. Said. I said this and yeah. I knew I was going to get, like, people, I wrote it in my preview. I, I even, when I did my preview for the site on Game Informer, I wrote about that and people kind of got a little mad at me about it. But I'm like, how, like, Square's cameras just aren't great. Like, even Final Fantasy XV's camera isn't that, compared to every other game that's out there. And I'm like, they still can't figure out, because even with us, we were like, kind of like, oh, wait, oh, I guess we go there. Like, oh, if you don't lock on to a freaking enemy, you are screwed. Like, you don't know where your next hit's gonna go, or where you're gonna fly to um and even then you're not guaranteed so yes i love that you have a quote from me um, this game's taken eight years to develop and we still have a shitty camera oh, man yeah. I, I love the That's genuine reactions you guys should have seen me playing that you should have also seen me and andrea we're like "Ooh, the aliens from toy story i got so excited <laughs> over the little the, claw. Claw. The, the disney stuff is like the reason to play this. Yeah. And I mean, and I obviously don't have any emotional attachment to Sora or any of the other characters that are in the Kingdom Hearts series, but I have such a love and nostalgia for Disney. We all do, right? Yeah. We all grew up on That's Disney. That's what I said. It's like a trip and- to like Disney World or land. Like you're, you're experiencing that through a video game, which is very endearing in itself. And then if you've been following the series and everything that's going on with the buildup, um, it's exciting in that right too. I was saying today, I was, my coworkers are giving me shit because they always do about Kingdom Hearts. I'm like the biggest fan in the office and nobody quite, I go, you either get it or you don't. Let's just say it. Like you either get Kingdom Hearts or you don't. I get it. I get, I get all you fans, like, why this is so important, like, why we put up with all the delays and being like, well, you know what, this spinoff wasn't that bad, it gave me this information, now I gotta see, oh god, that was a cool reveal, like, I've just been in it now, oh my god, I want it, oh my god. Alexa, Alexa Ray left this. Can you leave that there? 
was she crazy? Yeah, she, she did. She taken it. Oh my she god, I gotta yell us. at her. She gifted it. She didn't leave it. She didn't abandon it. She it was given with it purpose. To us. Oh. Yeah, I'm gonna put it, I'm gonna mount it. So I, I was supposed to mount it after our anniversary stream, but since I realized I was gonna be moving a bunch of furniture around, like rebuilding some stuff on set, that I was gonna, like, I should wait till I'm done. Me with and it her said we're gonna play the game next to each other if we can, like, be in the same room and just cry during the entire thing because we've been waiting for this for so long. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's it definitely, I, I can see why people are into it. And for anyone who's interested, if you missed it, Alexa Ray gave us the definitive way to play Kingdom Hearts to prepare for Kingdom Hearts 3. You can find that video at youtube.com slash what's good games. And don't forget, she also has, uh, under the boss fight books label, the Kingdom Hearts 2 book that she is the author of that you can, um, check out as well if you are looking for some extracurricular Kingdom Hearts. Uh, reading or watching or listening. <laughs> it, it's great because whenever me and Alexa were at events together, we just hold hands through the announcements and just be like, this is, it's happening. It's happening. Oh my God. Oh my God. Uh, and it's weird because no series, I'm going to be honest with you, gets me giddy like that. And I don't even like, I just get it. That's all I'm going to say. I don't even know why. I just get it. And I'm just like, I'm in it. I'm in it. And I'm on for this crazy ride. And it, like I said, when we're doing those Keyblade transformations, because you have like two transformations for early Keyblades, then three. And all of a sudden you're like going from like a rocket with like Woody and Buzz on it to like an unwieldy rocket going into them. And then you have like this huge hammer. That is impossible. Then you have double yo-yos. Like, come on now. Like, this is insane. And it, and it changes the way you play when you do each transformation because each, like, weapon um, handles differently. And I think that's a different dynamic to the series that we have not seen. And I think that really will be the difference maker. I saw all the callbacks to things that we like about the series. Okay, big bosses. Uh, there's a funny little thing with, like, them um, with helium speaking with the helium, which I'm like, Andrea, write this down. This is important. <laughs> Andrea's like, what the hell? Speaking with oh, yeah, helium. I have it written as goofy yeah. inhaled helium. And then I have in parentheses Woody, maybe. And it says, get a load of me, Buzz. I sound like an alien. It's a good thing. Okay. Okay. It's just the little things because it's like, it, ta- <laughs> it takes itself seriously and then it doesn't. And that's what I kind of like about it. Like, it fundamentally kingdom hearts is this basic thing light versus dark will the dark overcome the light whatever very simple very much like but then when you get into it and the friendships that these characters build with each other um there's some really touching scenes that are done well so i'm just gonna say i i slightly saltily at dinner i think i was talking to tim uh they were they were talking you guys were talking about the event and i was like did they go kingdom hearts is about the power of love and friendship and he was like yeah yeah actually i've literally never played this game so universal theme everybody can relate to steimer god damn it can they (laughs) well can they lucky people in life can i guess but uh I, i think like I've waited so long to play this game and to finally be like it's real was like a really memorable moment for me um do i recommend that square does this with every title absolutely not i wish that i didn't wait this long i bought my ps3 for the reason that i was like oh kingdom hearts 3 will eventually come out on here like i gotta get this because the ps2 is such an rpg machine so i just thought it would go on but now we're like way into the ps4 life cycle and 
we still don't have a do release think, date. Do you think this will be the last like proper Kingdom Hearts? Because like, given how long the timeline has been for this one, I kind of like. Can you make another one? Is it going to take twenty years? Like, what's they'll do? Like little, I have a feeling little spinoffs, um, and that will lead into spinoffs. Sure, I mean like yeah, the, they, will, the main they will do more in the main series. They've already said that they they'll end this arc, but they, it also means a new beginning. Because I interviewed Namora, and I remember these words. Uh, so that leads me to believe, like, why would you give it up? Because it's so profitable for Square. People go crazy over it. Um, is it if it takes that long to develop? <laughs> well, think of well, think some... of all the spinoffs they released and remasters in with that. I'm not saying it was the right thing to do with uh, with the weight, but they've definitely made. You mean money the 2.8 HD final chapter prologue? Yes, 365 over two, four. What was oh the number? God. I can't. I don't remember. <gasps> no, Kim, you don't remember? Um, she's like, it has to do with numbers. I don't know. <laughs> No, I think it's three five two over. I believe it's three five two over three five eight over two. Three five eight over two. Okay. That was close. Um, that is not that great of a game, though. So I'm not going to. Birth by Sleep is amazing. Um, I just restarted playing Dream Drop on the PS4 recently, just because I wanted to prepare for the event and see how close. And it does. It borrows a lot from what they did in Dream Drop Distance. Um, if you played 2.8 Final Chapter Prologue and did Aqua's story, A Fragmentary Passage, that was a good indicator to where they were going and how they were advancing the features. So um, I'd say it's a little I think I'm going to be real confused when I play this game, but... I really like Disney. Yeah, well, I so. like, like, during the panel, and Andrea can attest to this, so they asked him the question. They're like, oh, do people need to play, like, the previous games to enjoy this? And basically his answer was, you're going to, like, if you play it, you're going to want to play the previous games, and it's going to make you want to play the previous games. You should play the previous games. So, like, normally a developer is so, like, like yeah. normally a developer bullshits it. I'm just going to be frank and honest, and it's just like, yeah, you can totally start with this game. Like, it's completely fine, and then you realize, no, you can't. You can and you can't. If you are invested, if you're a story person, I would say this, and you need to know where everything is going. Like, don't rob yourself of playing the earlier games especially now that they are on hd remasters but at the same time if you just like want these stymers that love the disney worlds and that's what you want to play and you don't care about sora and his gang of goofy and donald i really don't care yeah, about sora and you're fine i'm sure he's got some nice friends but uh i mean god i mostly just want to check out the disney world it's the dumbest there? it's the dumbest shit i get excited for yeah. too Right there. You can get excited for it. No, no it's like, absolutely well, be well, excited you saw, for like, it. Tangled and, like, Rapunzel is, like, overflowing with her hair and she, like, freaking uses it and launches it at someone and and uses it as an attack. And I, they were like, oh, yeah, that was really hard for us to animate. Like, it took us a long time to figure out with the hair. And I'm just like, I just love the little... <laughs> You no, hair is really hard to animate. Alexa I totally understand. When I need her right now. That's all I'm going to say. I know she's at Nintendo. Okay, um, Kim, I really do appreciate you that you giving some context though. And like, listen, I'm not hating on this game. I just like I, I like other people who have never played Kingdom mm-hmm. Hearts and doesn't understand like what this emotional attachment is. I'm just like, it looks cool, I guess. But it's clearly not the game that I'm, you know, like the most hyped for uh, at E3 or, or in the coming in the coming months. But I'm definitely going to try it out. I'm going to give it a whirl. 
Because clearly if it means a lot to you, it means a lot to Alexa and a lot of other people out there, there's got to be something there. And you can't just pull that kind of uh, fandom out of nothing. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, so yeah, but like all, I'm like, down. like they all grew up with it, though. I think that's part of it, right? Like you're, you feel like Kim. You just mentioned like you, you have a Kingdom Hearts for like every milestone of your life. Um, yeah. I, so I think that's going to be something that you and I like will never be able to understand Andrea in that way. But I, like I said, I'm excited to just you dick around what you in guys will see in it is it brings out the kid in you like when you go to a disney um like land world or wherever it's like oh this is really cool like i just like visiting these worlds and like it brings you back to like your childhood imagination i know this is really cheesy to say and i'm not trying to come across that way by any no means, but i totally understand exactly to what you're be saying a kid again and kingdom hearts brings that out in me more than anything else even with it's like you know simple themes which though like end up having like really interesting character arcs and really like striking moments that you wouldn't expect from it now like i said if you're in to that play play the whole series go f- to alexa's video see which order to play it in um but also if you're not and you just want to play this for the disney worlds um i'm do go ahead start with three you know i'm not going to tell you not it's to. mostly that i just don't have the it's mostly the desire i suppose than the time <laughs> but i'll say the time to go back and play the other two whereas i'm like i'm fine just jumping into three that's well okay. Our, our pals, um, uh, over at Easy Allies, uh, it might have been back when they were all still game trailers, made a timeline of Kingdom Hearts, which is their, like, documentary series where they, uh, go through the whole timeline of the franchise. And so if you want to watch something instead of play it to get caught up. Yeah, that's a good ooh, idea. Like an in five minutes video. It's but not, not in an in five minutes, minutes video. You're no, it's a really gonna... well done long form you... piece, but it's not going to take you a hundred hours. Yeah. That I can do. I can sit and watch that video. Yeah, I recommend with some games, if you can just watch the cutscenes, that's enough. Um, But you're robbing yourself of those Disney worlds. That's all I'm saying. The graphics weren't that good back then anyway. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Oh, my God. Uh, I hate, like, it's so funny because every time I talk about this series, just like this smile and this unbridled enthusiasm comes out in me like nothing else and i don't even know what it is because normally i'd be a really jaded person at this point or i think sometimes i should be but i'm not so kingdom hearts is no i mean people call me salty about things but when i'm at disney world my god there it is that's what it is i'm living my best life there we go and i just i have something about just disney i love um japan in general so it's just like i love final fantasy it's mixing so many great things together for me so so now i've totally geeked out on this and uh i'm sure only the diehards have still are still listening (laughs) but the good good news is that hopefully if people haven't dropped off they fast forwarded to this point and we're like done with kingdom hearts because we've got a lot more stuff to talk about. Um, so other games that we've played. Now, Kim, I'm going to be honest. I don't have a complete list of embargoes in front of me. Here uh, are the embargoes. I will tell you if you need okay, to. Okay, so you look at what I'm missing. Here are the embargoes that are up as of Friday, May 25th, mm-hmm. when this show airs. So Kingdom Hearts, obviously. Mm-hmm. I've got um, Days Gone yep. and Dreams yep. and Astrobot Rescue Mission from Sony. They might have some other PSVR yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah, no, that's that stuff's up. all up. All the PSVR stuff is up. I don't know if all. I didn't play it all. So. Okay, 
So those three for sure. Then I've got Planet Alpha, which is an indie game from Team 17. Uh, I've got Divinity Original Sin 2 Definitive Edition, uh, which is being published by Bandai Namco. Mm-hmm. Uh, we've got Call of Duty Black Ops 4, which obviously was the embargo was up last week during the reveal event. And then I've got Kids, which is an indie game that Double Fine is publishing. And it's coming to iOS. Yeah, we all so pl- we all played Kids together. I yeah. It's a, it's, a, it's a really wacky game. Is there anything that I missed? Not that I can think of off the top of my head because I believe all the embargoes I know of are after that. So sadly, there's some things we can't talk about yet. Yeah, not quite yet. It's okay because there's still of, a that's a giant list of games. Yeah, no, it it is, and we're not going to be able to obviously be able to like dip deep dive into all of these. So let's talk about kids since we brought that up first. So this is a really interesting title. Um, uh, another really kind of really small iOS gameplay experience. It's not as small as Florence because um, there's going to be multiple chapters, but the chapter that we played was like super fascinating. So it's black and white, hand drawn. And, um, you start out as like this, like little, like almost like a mannequin like character. So it's like gender bathroom door type, like the typical bathroom door. Like, <laughs> yes, like uh, just like the white shapes. circle head and like the white body with like, and then it's like black and white. Uh, that's it. I was, and, I was um, very interested in how you're going to describe this and this does not disappoint so far already. Oh, uh, okay. <laughs> I guess Steimer the credit for bringing in the bathroom yeah, analogy. Yeah, she, she got it um, right. I wouldn't have even thought of that, but that is completely accurate. But they're a little bit more like, uh, like kind of like uh, sack boy like in their uh, kind of like movements and their animations. Right, they're yeah. not like stick figures. They're they're kind of like got like a little bit of like uh, doll movements Fluidity almost. To their- um and. Um, you basically just use the glass on the on we were playing on an iPad. Um and you never really know what the mechanic is in each of the different scenes that you play in the chapter. Like maybe you're touching one of the characters or maybe you're moving a point touching a point on the screen and the characters are moving around it. But essentially in every scene there's like a hole in the ground that these characters like jump into. Like lemmings. Yeah, we're like, we don't know if they're like, are they killing themselves by throwing themselves into this hole? Or are they going to like another dimension? We don't know. I just, I took it as a super cool party down there. I took it as a metaphor for following the crowd and doing the wrong thing. But, and it it is. So that was, uh, so Greg Rice from Double Fine was explaining to us, um, about this game and, you know, kind of like where it, it kind of like what the themes are and it's about kind of like group think and how we interact with each other and how we communicate with each other. But what's interesting about it is that it's, there's like really not any dialogue. There's a couple of words mm-hmm. spoken. Like I, distinctly, there was one scene where you tap on somebody and they point to another like doll character and they're like, you did it. And then the other one goes, no, you did it. He did it. No, you did it. She did it. He did it. And they all start like pointing at each other. And it's like, and then you just keep tapping it until they all start pointing at the same character. And then they're like, he did it. He did it. He did it. And now they're all pointing at the one character. And it's really like makes you think about like how mob mentality kind of works. And it was a really interesting game. Um, Kim, how did you find it? 
I was going to do a really deep cut and then I just stopped myself because my example was uh, really, it was, it was too ace attorney with, <laughs> no one's going to know what that is. You never know. Kind of how, uh, uh, Phoenix becomes a lawyer because, um, Edgeworth defends him because everybody accuses him of something and he didn't do it. But once someone says it with the mob mentality, like it might as well be true. And so that's a really deep cut for comparison, but. I, I was like, as Andrea is playing, I remember at one point I'm like, Andrea, don't be a part of the crowd. Stand out. Like, don't follow. Like, you're sitting there. But the game, like, you're following and going through. And it's um, it's interesting, to say the least. Um, and did we, like, we played a good chunk of it, right? I don't, I don't know how Yeah, long it was like it a solid, like, 20 minutes. Yeah, so, it was uh, a For while. anybody who's, who's wondering, it's created by um, a developer called Playables. And over at Pocket Gamer, they had a little write-up that says that it's an experimental project about the psychology of the group, oh. which allows players to move with and against crowds until everyone is gone. The final products of the project will include an interactive animation, a short film, and an exhibition. Mm. And the project is led by animator Michael Frey and game designer Mario Von Rickenbach, who previously worked on a short film and short game together called Plug and Play. And then Double Fine, of course, is the publisher. Okay, can I just tell you how happy this makes me because sometimes like I play games and I'm like I hope I'm interpreting this right and so when you say that I'm like oh I got it like I got it it didn't go over my head like I understood what was going on with it because it's it's very like basic and simple but then at one point um you're trying to just figure out like well what what are you know what beyond following this crowd is is going on here so leads you to some interesting paths indeed um, so another game that we got to play was, um, how about Days Gone? So this was kind of like, um, the first time that Days Gone was playable, at least in like a kind of a broad sense. There were quite a few people there that got hands on. We got about 20 ish minutes with the game. And of course, this is from Sony Bend. It's another PlayStation exclusive coming to PS4. We don't have a release date for it still. Um, I have said when this game was announced, I was like, man, another zombie game. Yeah, that's everybody's and I reaction. Think, <laughs> yeah. And I think especially with the last of us part two, also in Sony's first party slate going up against naughty dog is never a position. You yeah, exactly. Be in. Uh, cause, uh, they've proven that they're real, real good at making video games. And, uh, so of course, you know, I went into this like a little tempered. The, um, I liked what I've seen so far. The graphics look great. Uh, the gameplay looks intriguing. I don't really buy this idea that freakers are so different than zombies. Um, but, you know, once you actually play it, you can see in practicality how they work differently from a mechanical standpoint. Obviously, like, you can kill them by any means necessary. You don't just need to use headshots, which is nice. But, man, they run at you really fast. It's very much like 28 Days Later type of um, um, of, of, of infected because they're not undead. Mm-hmm. And they can open doors, which I found out, which scares the piss out of me. Uh, I mean, can they climb things? Yes, they can. Why couldn't a zombie do that, though? I haven't seen them climb a ladder, but I saw multiple climb fences. They're dumb, but I think they can open. Like, so it's like a zombie can't, they can open a door. Zombies? Or knock it down. They'll figure it out. Well, maybe go through the door, but, um, so 
I got to see like a, a camp area. I didn't spend too much time in it because they were like, you should just follow the main path if you want to see the most amount of the game. So I did that. I didn't really hang out in the little town hub very much. I jumped on my motorcycle and went out to find this human camp. And along the way, of course, I found freakers. And so when I got to this human camp, I had like an objective to take out every single human in the camp. There were like 11 humans. Wait, and so why there were, were you a couple- killing humans? Uh, because they humans like, are more dangerous than zombies. Yeah, yeah, what is this? That. Well, I think it's because they stole a bunch of our stuff. Oh, okay. So it was justified human killing. I just wanted to get that out there. Cause is that justified? I don't think it is, <laughs> but... It's capital it, punishment. In, in video <laughs> games terms, that is justification, I guess, for sure. having... But um, like it's a video game. Do you really need justification to kill other things in video games? Probably not. So my goal was to take out this whole camp, to clear the camp, and then to, you know, uh, pick our stuff back up and then bring it back to base or whatever. Um, and then, so I approached and the first time I did it, they heard me or saw me because there's like a big stealth mechanic in the game. And I just like, I screwed that up and they came at me hard and like took me out really quickly. So the NPCs, no joke. Uh, you can't just like pop, pop. Is there done. no worse like, oh, no. feeling than completely blowing a stealth sequence? Because I've had that yes. happen to me so many times in <laughs> games and I'm like, damn it. Like I just didn't know the guy was over there. <laughs> it always. No, what irritates me the most is when you, like you are snuck up behind someone and like, the but he like moves just as you hit the button prompt, so then it doesn't do the stealth kill, and it does it's like a a noisy melee. You're like, and you're like, you're like girl, here I am. Let's take you're like, you get halfway through the stealth, and there's no save checkpoint, and you're like, wait, I'm almost oh, and then you die. And it's, no, okay, sorry, I just so had sad. to get that out there rage. because I was having flashbacks to all the stealth missions I have failed in my life, where I'm just like. Damn it! Like I, I just didn't know that guy was over there. I didn't see that. So yeah, we definitely have, uh, have gone through this. So it took me five tries to actually like get through this section. But was what was neat is um, one of the members from from Bend came over and showed me. He was like, you know, if you go out in the woods and just fire your gun like once or twice, like the freakers will just find you. So it's like if you're just like making noise out in the wild, the freakers will just come after you. And so they, they came to me and he was like, now what you gotta do is lead them, like run back to the camp and lead the freakers into the camp. And so I did that and it made a really nice distraction, but I started out with like six freakers and by the time I got to the camp, I only had two freakers left and I was like, uh oh, there's 11. What humans. happened to the rest of them? They like got lost in the woods. I don't know. <laughs> crazy logic like i want to bring zombies my way i want to like put them over here with like i just like that's not what i would think of like in a game no that you're trying you're to right though it is crazy logic because that's why i lost so many yeah. of them because in order for them to be, stay together you have to let them get really close to you and they're like clawing at you and they're making these like nope, nope, noises nope. and i'm just like ah, running as fast well, yeah, as that's your instinct right that's what's in all of us like when something like that happens you don't want to get close to it you want to like yeah. land from afar um so it seems like i understand like why that would happen to you being like your instinct is let's stay away from these guys but really what's the best strategy is to lure them your way which just ugh. Yeah. i would never do that in real life but it's a video game yeah but it's- do if it's if they're infected i still i've said this before this is not a new thought but 
Like how how is leading infected and having them infect other people helpful in any way? Like yes, it clears the camp out, but aren't they all going to just turn into zombies? Yeah. So now you've just made an even bigger problem well, instead of just going around and stealth killing them. Well, my mission was to kill the humans, not to kill the freakers. So if they all turn into freakers and I could just jump on my bike and run away, mission accomplished. But I'm, I'm with you, Steimer, that the logic is not sound. So my biggest takeaway from the game so far, uh, Greg and I were talking about it and he seems to think it feels more like an open world game. And I was like, I don't know, man. It feels like there's definitely a lot of exploration, but there's not like a lot. So far, I haven't seen like a lot to do in the open world because it's just so dangerous to be out there that I don't really want to be out there. It's not like Far Cry where you can like find a fishing mini game, you know? They've been really marketing. <laughs> Would you relax and have some infected fish for They've you? They've been really marketing it as an open world game, though. So I find it interesting to have you be like, not really to me, you know? I mean, it is open world. Like you can explore. But there's not and there's a much lot of places you can on. drive with your motorcycle. From what I've seen, and granted, like I mentioned, it's a small, small slice of the game that I got to see. Um, it wasn't like I wasn't trying to linger between point A and point B because I didn't want to like deal with the freakers. But you in the always woods. felt that sense of danger, like you're in danger, right? Yeah, yeah, That's- yeah. Which I didn't like. And so this is my biggest gripe. And so I'm really going to be excited to hear what Britt has to say once she gets some hands-on time with this because this is really her wheelhouse. Um, I don't like being constantly stressed out in the game. I'm constantly stressed out. People are dying. We don't have enough food. We don't have enough uh, water or electricity. These humans are trying to steal our shit. The freakers are always on the rise. we got zombie bears in the woods. Like, the whole game is just one giant stress ball from what I've played and what I've seen so far. I'm glad I didn't interject when I was going to because I'm like, I totally understand having all that stress in your life. And then you went (laughs) off on, like, having electricity and everything. All right, all right. I don't quite, but... um. Wait, is this, like, do you have to base man? manage this like is there a base that you have to have supplies and stuff for i don't think so uh, I, okay. I, I don't think it's like state of decay in that way where you have to like you have like a active community roster that you have to manage their wants and needs but you're like there's from what i've seen that there's like there's like fetch quests and stuff right oh get rid of fetch oh, quests. Yeah, okay that's I fine and i'm so over them i just have to like as, i mean that's literally every quest an, it's just how well they dress yeah, it up. as an rpg fan like this is my biggest gripe with side quests when they're just fast quests that mean nothing. Unless they're easy to, like, complete as you go along, then it's fine. But if it's just going from point A to B back and forth, it drives me crazy. Mini rant. Anyways. Yeah. No, I mean, that's that's State of Decay 2, though. It's just one giant fetch quest. Just one big fetch quest. Okay. Now you just turned there me off a, the game completely, a- Andrea. <laughs> No, it's true. But like, <laughs> that was actually the most hilarious thing to me was there was this, there was a side quest, quote unquote, for one of the characters. And it was literally like, walk across the street, do one thing, walk back to base. And I was like, what the? The best games hide <gasps> that you're actually doing a fetch quest. So it doesn't feel like a fetch quest. Um, or it feels like you're doing something meaningful in the world, like Witcher 3, like even just going and, you know, doing a small thing could affect, like, whether or not you had a discount at a shop or something. Um, so I didn't mind it there, but in certain games, it's like, god damn it. Um, it's like, go collect 20 yeah, pelts. that shit, I'm, I'm over. I'm over that shit in my life. We don't need that anymore. We're, we should be past that. If you, you think yeah. of an interesting side quest, but, um, yeah. If- I can't wait to collect zombie bear pelts. <laughs> I'm sure that'll be a thing. Oh, god, I fucking hope not. 
Um, so definitely looking forward to seeing more of this title and hopefully it changes my mind, but it's like, yeah, it made me stressed out, stressed out playing days gone. Um, so the dreams demo was almost identical to what we saw at PSX last fall. Um, I know Kim, you sat down with uh, Elise and you guys got a, a, a little bit more intensive of a demo than I did, but um, we got to play part of the demo that we saw behind mm-hmm. closed doors before. But honestly, I still feel the same about that game from what we talked about um, back in December. Looks cool. The toolbox looks amazing. Uh, Media Molecule really bringing the mm-hmm. creative um, innovation. But I still am like, who is this game for? Um, still don't know. Still waiting to see more. The campaign looks cute, but it's only about, I think they said like three to five hours of gameplay total. Yeah, it seems like it's more of like, um, a creative force, if that makes sense. Like to get younger kids knowing different parts of game design. Cause I've had conversations with developers and they're like, oh, kids just think like game design is programming. But there's composing, there's this and that. So I think like Little Big Planet, which made its way into schools, this will definitely do that. And I think it's just really what um, Media Molecule does best is creativity. But without like the hook of Little Big Planet, which was like, if you don't want to create, you know, you have this campaign to play that's interesting. Um, here, I feel like the campaign's much. Like, it's there because I feel like everybody would be mad if there wasn't one. So they, I felt like they felt like they had to do one. Um, instead of just leaving it, like, it is a, like, creativity sandbox to me in, in that way of, like, making your own levels and compositions and everything that goes along with it. Um, so I think it'll teach people, like, a more well-rounded um, view on game design, storytelling, all that. That it's not just one area. Uh, but as, as I'm like with you, it's like, I think it appeals, they're really trying to appeal to a younger generation. And so people who are expecting something, they feel like little big, big planet had a bigger reach where like everybody who picked that up found something to kind of like about it, whether it was, you know, creating or, or just doing the platforming, which was really solid. So I'm curious where it's going to go, but every time I see it, I'm just like, this is going to blow up in schools. Um, I was actually at a school not too, like, way before I joined Game Informer. I did a whole feature on, like, how schools were putting video games in them and, like, going around, like, design. So, like, learning from failure. Like, all the things we do in game design and, like, they had a huge classroom just full of Little Big Planet. And it was just, like, mind-blowing to me because I was like, I wish I had that when I was a kid. And so I – We just had Oregon Trail. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, we did. We we learned about stuff the hard way, okay? We didn't have these – We learned about dysentery. Yeah, I was just going to say that. We learned about dysentery. But, um, and starvation. I'm interested to see if this picks up. And I think this is something – like, this game has been in development for so long and Sony's let – um Media Molecule take their time with it, which I think is great. But I don't know. I don't know how it's going to do. I don't know if it's going to appeal, you know, as Andrea said, who's the game for? I don't know. Um, I feel like it is for a, a younger generation. Will that generation pick up on it? Will, like, schools, like, I think they will pick up on it? I don't know. So it's for the aspiring creative. Yeah. And that's pretty much it. Like, yeah, I find it I like this could very easily fit into even just a music class. Like you can compose music in this game, which is crazy. 
Yeah, it's really neat. So, yeah. I, and like, yeah. like I said, the tool the toolbox that they're providing, I think, is going to once it gets into the hands of uh, the people out there, they're going to do we're amazing see some things cool things. With it. Like it's going to be like little yeah. big planet where you're like, holy crap, that level. Um, so I'm excited to see what the community can do. I just hope like it has uh, a following and community, and that people haven't lost sight of it. Kind of like how we're like, oh yeah dreams like what's going on with that we haven't heard about it for a while and then all of a sudden it surfaces every few years and you're like oh yeah right that game's still there so totally um so can we only have um well we have quite a few left but a couple of games that i well one game that i wanted to talk about for sure was was black ops but um just quickly um is there any of these other ones that i mentioned that you're like ooh, i want to talk about that one um not in particular. I think uh, Black Ops is probably the next direction you want to go in with those. Like, the games were fine that we played, but they, yeah. they don't have that appeal like the other ones do, for sure. Yeah. I just what quickly will say about Astrobot Rescue Mission, which is um, a PlayStation VR game. So if you guys played the PlayStation Eye camera with the little robots, I think it was called uh, the... Oh, uh, fuck, what was that called? Um, I know what you're talking about. Playroom or yeah, playroom? playroom? Yeah, the playroom. Yeah. Um, which is like was a hit with my nephews when I brought uh, my PS4 home and then I ultimately got my dad one. Uh, they loved playing, like flinging the little robots from the touchpad and all the cool stuff that that did with the PlayStation Eye. So those robots return in Astrobot um, Rescue Mission. So this is a platformer, but it's got fixed camera. So you pilot the little little robot guy and it's an action platformer so you can like double jump uh well it's not really a double jump you have like little uh jets in your feet so you jump and then you like have the jets and then you have like a a punch and then you hold down for a heavy punch because there's like little enemies and much like moss where you can kind of move your head around to see where to platform next and where like the coins and stuff are it felt really good in VR. The cute factor was incredible. So you go through each level to rescue these other bots that are like hidden throughout the level. When you go to find them, they're all like in these really kind of precarious positions and they're like, like shivering and like scared. And like you go up there and you like rescue them and then you save them and then they, they fly up in VR in front of your face and then they go down into the controller that you're holding and then they like wave from the touchpad. It was just like, the whole the whole experience was so awesome in the sense that that's the kind of VR experience that I really like. We played several VR games during mm-hmm. Judges Week, and I got sick during almost all of them. And it was super frustrating because I don't normally get sick in VR, but I also don't spend a lot of time in VR Same probably here. because I get sick in VR. Um, but um, this game, I was seated in a chair, and because the camera was fixed – um, I didn't have any nausea problems at all. And I just like the cute factor in this game is so fantastic. It kind of makes me a little bummed that, you know, you have to be, I think, 13 to wear PlayStation VR because oh. of how wide apart your eyes are set on your skull. Oh, yeah. Uh, I think that's the age limit that you that you can. Otherwise, what happens is because his kids' faces are so small, they can't they can't properly focus. That, in that the actually lenses. makes sense. I've just never thought that there is an age. I guess I knew it, but I didn't at that point. So, 
I guess if you have like a really large child, maybe you could try well, it on I a younger age. VR is impossible to get to fit on my head correctly. And I'm just like, what the heck? Like, I can never get it right. And I'm just like, I feel bad for anybody with like who's smaller, who's trying to like <laughs> this thing to to wear okay on it. But I got a, I got a question for you guys. How do you feel about VR right now? Because it was like a hot topic about a year ago. And everyone was like, this is going to be like the 90s all over again where it makes its appearance, then pops off. Um, Sony doesn't – You mean like Virtual Boy? What? You mean like Virtual Boy? No, when it was making its way into arcades. Oh. Yeah. Um, it, it never kind of – it never took off the way people thought it would. And so I think now they're worried that the same fate. But I, I think it's interesting that Sony has not given – like doesn't seem to have given up on it. Um, they're still really supporting it with all these new interesting games coming out. I know, like, it hasn't probably sold to the degree that they'd want it to. It's probably sold enough, but, um, I don't know. I don't know what to think of it. Like, I still don't want to be in a VR headset. I don't know. When I come home from work, I just want to, I don't want to put a headset on and. You don't want to plug into the matrix? Yes, exactly. Um, and I, I've been trying to like be up, like open about it, and so every time there's demos, I try them, and I'm like, okay, but I can never spend more than like ten minutes in these games before I'm like, yeah, that's enough. I see what you're saying. Um, I obviously haven't, like, I'm not a VR enthusiast. Uh, we have played VR games before, and you know, we have the PSVR here. We have an Oculus and and a Rift. Or excuse me, and an HTC uh, Vive, but um, I I think that it's serving a niche community, mm-hmm. and it's going to continue to serve a niche community until we see more experiences mm-hmm. in VR that aren't necessarily games. Because I think mm-hmm. we're just now getting to a place where games are doing cool things yeah. that are, you know. F- fully fleshed out ideas versus like here's like a 15 minute uh a spider-man experience to go along with spider-man homecoming like a lot of those first ideas were very much like testing grounds and not you know just to like yeah like glorified tech demos essentially i think yeah so i think the best is yet to come for vr i don't think that we are we're we're done with vr yet i think it's not like a, as big of a fad as 3D gaming was because I remember that kind of came and went pretty quickly, um, and I and I think that we're all laughing. You know, VR's, I mean, it did yeah, right. No, like, I, have, I still laughing. have the Sony monitor that I got. Oh my god, Sony I remember to me, that. The PlayStation monitor that's 3D that I played Mortal Kombat Nine in 3D on. You know, so it's it's like I, I don't think it's going to go that way. I think it's going to hang around for a while, mostly because. So many people have spent billions of dollars in the virtual reality space. We're seeing a lot of augmented reality stuff happening too. But where it's going, I don't know. I think that's a conversation for another time, quite frankly. I'm sorry. I'm um, asking Kim, the hard dis- questions here. Kim, you're distracting me from Call of Duty Black Ops 4. Well, you were talking about VR. I was like, oh, what, what are your thoughts on it? I was interested. But let's let's go let's go Call of Duty now. Did you get to play? No. You didn't? Okay, so I was the only one that got to play. Um, so obviously they did this giant Activision reveal event, uh, much like the Destiny 2 event that Steimer uh, came with me to. That was like, I think Steimer, that was the first thing you and I did for What's Good, wasn't yep. it? Yeah, I think so. big Destiny Yeah, that was fans? like our first episode. Yes. Cool. She's a much bigger Destiny fan than I am. I'm like a casual Destiny That's how fan. I am. Yeah, no, I love Destiny. I mean, 
I'm mad at it sometimes, but I still love it. You, it's a I love to hate relationship. Um, so, uh, Call of Duty Black Ops 4. Um, back with Treyarch. Mm-hmm. Back in the future, which is cool. No single player. Instead, getting three separate zombies campaigns. And Blackout, the battle royale that we all knew was coming. Plus, of course, you know, multiplayer modes. So we got an hour of hands-on time, which was nice. And blessedly, they pl- they pitted us against other judges. When I sat down and I did an Instagram story, uh, I, Justine, and Nade Shot were on my team. And I was like, oh, sweet. I've got some ringers on my team. This is great. Because uh, T. Martin was sitting behind me, and I was like, I don't want to go play over there. He's like, oh, why don't you guys want to come play over on this side? And I was like, no, please. No, I don't want to play against you. Um, and so they obviously had a, like a bunch of like high-level players there, but so they pitted all the judges against us. Or against, Actually, Andy McNamara was on my team. I heard he was doing really well. Or, he did. Was, he did okay, pretty good. I was going to say it was Dan Tack lying on his Twitter because he's like, Andy Mac's tearing it up. Tell, no, tell he was he wasn't. We did good. It was pretty evenly matched. So we did four different multiplayer modes. Didn't get to play zombies. Didn't get to play blackout. Um, but the first thing that I really loved about the new Call of Duty was how they slowed it down. Mm-hmm. Call of Duty, obviously known for like fast fast paced twitch shooting, like no scoping, like right, like all of the memes about Call of Duty players. I'm super glad that they made um, players a little bit. Uh, hardier, meaning it takes more bullets mm-hmm. to take a player down. Meaning accuracy is important. Headshots oh, are more shit. important. Critical hits are more game. important. Sorry. Um, <laughs> no, you say that, but what's great about it is when you're when you're pitted in when you're match made in with players of your caliber that are like good players but not excellent players, but also aren't garbage players. Like, yeah, I know how to hold a gun in first person mm-hmm. shooters. It, I felt like I had a fighting chance okay. versus every other time I've been to an Activision Call of Duty reveal event. I felt like I just got slaughtered and I was just respawning and respawning and running back to the action the whole time during the whole demo. And I didn't feel that way this time. And obviously it helped that way we played hardpoint, we played domination. Um, you know, we played a couple of the modes and we obviously did team deathmatch at the end, you know, for old time's sake. And it felt like I had a fighting Mm -hmm. chance and I liked the specialties. So the specialty classes are back. Um, from the previous Call of Duty, and uh, they have two new specialties. Uh, the one that I really enjoyed playing was Recon. Okay. So Recon has a class ability that you can either choose to use or you can choose to customize if you don't like the class ability. Oh, that's interesting. Uh, where, yeah, which I thought was a really nice way for you to be kind of flexible with your play mm-hmm. style. If you're like, hey, I like this part of the class, but this part of the class I want to swap out. The create a class system in Call of Duty is very robust. Um, and I was able to use my, I had two specials. So one was I was able to throw like a dart on the wall and it acted like a little radar mm-hmm. wherever I would throw it. So I it would reveal enemy positions oh, nice. in like a cer- uh, certain radius. And so when we were playing domination, it was easy for me to just kind of like put it at the different points. So when I was defending, I could just like see when people were approaching. And then like my super ability, I'm using that in air quotes <laughs> because the, the refresh time is like super long on those. Okay. Um, and so you really have to be thoughtful about how you use them. And if you're using the girl with the fancy grenade launcher, her animation takes a really long time to pull that thing oh. out. So be careful where you're pulling it out because <laughs> wait, hold on. I couldn't help what she said. Hey. Um, because you know, you could get shot while you're pulling it out. It's, it happens. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> and um, his his ability, the recon class specialist, was uh, to be able to tag everybody through walls. So you click it, and then like you can see mm-hmm. everyone's position on the map, like in real time, like not just on the radar, which is nice. Um, but it was it was fun. The guns felt great, of course. I mean, Treyarch knows what yeah. they're doing when it comes to first person shooting mechanics, and um, I'm excited to check it out. I'm not going to pretend that I'm not sad a little bit inside that there's no single player campaign because I really loved doing the campaign, but it makes sense that they're leaning into zombies, which is a fan favorite mode, which is something that a lot of their base really loves. And they're giving not one, but three zombies campaigns. I do hate that. Like I suck at zombies and you can't really I can play Andrea. <laughs> do well yeah, you got to play. Well, we could play together. I mean, I've tried playing zombies solo. It is not a fun Oh time. no, I'll, I'll play it with you. Um, this is going to make me sound like a dork. I don't know if I should share this, but I was walking, actually walking home. So I, I'm walking home today and I was just thinking about this call of duty and I didn't even know we were going to talk about it on this podcast. Cause we hadn't talked beforehand. I was like, you know what? I get why they didn't do a single player campaign because if you you spend all that time on a campaign, people play it once, then they're done with it. But like the experience that people keep coming back to is that multiplayer and like why wouldn't you spend the time refining it? Although I am totally like a single player gal heart and heart, but I can understand why they chose to like really focus in on those modes instead of spending the time because I just think the last few campaigns have not been that great either. So I have not finished a campaign since Modern yes, Warfare. Yes, thank you. I've started. You. I've started other ones, but I've never finished. Yeah, they're them. not as interesting. Um, that was like the last one that I really got into, Call of Duty. And so when we joke around with uh, with stuff, I'm like, I used to play them. I just uh, I've tried to get back into the series. It's just not. I haven't been like engaged with it in the way that I was before. Um. Yeah, I think this was a smart move, and I'm actually I'm like happy that they're just doing more zombies. I've actually never even played oh. the zombies mode, but I know that like playing that with a group it's of friends so is going to be fun. It is like that was one thing I didn't expect to like because, uh, as we know, I grew up on RPGs, obviously, so I didn't delve into shooters that much. Um, but I started to like back in like more ps2 ps3 going into those two eras and one of my friends was really into it and was like you know what you should just try zombies that'll be really and i'm like this is so fun like i don't know why i didn't try this sooner um just a really good way to let off some steam too right after a hard day of work yeah absolutely i mean and i also want to make sure to speak to the rumors um so there was a lot of rumors floating around that uh treyarch started a single player campaign and then scrapped it because it just wasn't working out or wasn't going to come to fruition and the the plan wasn't coming together and Eurogamer has since debunked this they spoke with dan bunting um over at uh, who's the co-studio head at treyarch and uh he said going back to the very beginning of black ops 4 development we never set out to make a traditional 
traditional campaign. We had always started from the place of we're going to make something different with this game that was going to be inspired by how our community was interacting with Black Ops 3 and the games over the years. We see more and more players spending more time with multiplayer and zombies, not just in the game, but out of the game, streaming and talking about it in forums. It's generated a really huge crowd response. The decision was we wanted to make a different style of game this time. Throughout the course of the development, we tried a lot of ideas, a lot of things that challenge convention that might be a different kind of twist on how we might think of a Call of Duty game or a Black Ops game in the past. As we did that, some things make it and some things don't. The game we're representing today really represents the best of the ideas that we have run through that the gauntlet of game development, which is pretty typical for how we do things. And I don't think you can judge the game just because it doesn't have, like, people are like, oh, I'm so mad it doesn't have a single-player game uh, campaign, rather, and I'm just like, I don't know, play the game first before you decide whether or not that's, like, the end-all be-all for you. Yeah. I'm interested to see what blackout mode will be. Same. How they handle it. It sounds it sounds really ambitious, but if anybody can pull it off, it's Activision and Treyarch. So I think... And there are billions of other studios that help them. Right. Yeah, absolutely. 100%. It, it, it takes a village, right? Um, I think that it's going to be a big challenge. So I tweeted and was one of like the most responses to a tweet I've had in a really long time that I think that PUBG is in trouble and that Fortnite will be fine because they service a very specific audience and the gameplay and the look and the feel of that battle royale is much mm-hmm. more in a separate camp of players than PUBG is. And I got a very interesting selection of responses. Some people like outright were like, you're stupid. You don't know what you're talking about. PUBG is the fucking best. And I was like, cool. Um, and then other people were like, yeah, no, PUBG better, you know, be uh, running scared. And other people were like, I don't know. Fortnite may not make it once Battle Royale becomes to all the shooters. Like they're like, once Red Dead launches their Battle Royale, everyone's done for. Um, and so it's like, well, it's interesting. But I think if you take the really refined, polished, first-person shooting mechanics of a Call of Duty game, really like industry standard for, for, for FPS, and put that in the most popular genre that's out right now, I think that's kind of a recipe for success, especially when you say, hey, we're going to let you play as like all of these characters across all of these different Call of Duty games, zombies characters, and you're going to be able to have all of these cool customizable things. And then you've got these land, sea, and air vehicles. You know, obviously PUBG has vehicles Mm -hmm. too, but it's going to be interesting to see how the market share is going to be pulled away from games like PUBG and and Fortnite. I'm just so happy you said that because that's like a really, that's a bold statement to make. Um, But even I've noticed like PUBG does not have as much as I'm sure lots of people are still playing it, but not as much. They're not talking about it as much as they were like. It's lost some buzz. A lot of buzz. I think if they sucked it up and went free to play, like they'd get some of it back. Mm -hmm. But as long as they're still, like, have that paywall to get in. I mean, I guess their mobile is free to play. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I but just, Andrea is... I don't really know what PUBG is doing. saying to me completely makes sense. And it, it's hard to put statements like that out there because you are going to get people who are going to be like, what the heck are you talking about? Um, because they, they're dedicated to one game versus another. So I, I think that's a really cool observation that you made. And I'm, I'm glad you had the guts to to go out there and, you know say it out loud because you know we all think things are like eh, should i i just think i'll be 
I'll be fascinated to see how that one does and how Battlefield does because traditionally, obviously, like, there's not that many right now, but these battle royale games are third person, and I think that that's it helps in terms of uh, you know visualization and just being able to like get a sense of where you are. And I feel so much more claustrophobic whenever I play a first person game that I'm curious to see how this style where you do need to be aware of like literally everything around you will translate to something that is first person. I don't know. Think about these giant battlefield um, modes that already exist with like the 64 players. I mean, it's insane. Well, they're, That's true. they're almost there. The maps are gigantic in, in battlefield and you've got the crazy destructible environments mm-hmm. You know, plus like all of the ridiculous vehicles that are in battlefield games. I don't know. I think it could, I could think it could work. Obviously there is no battle royale announced for battlefield as of, as of this moment. It's part of our E3 predictions. I can't remember. Do you remember what the eight ball said about it? I don't know. Brit Brit has a list. Um, I mean, no, we just shook the eight ball so many times that there's no way I would be able to remember. One of those things. <laughs> when do you think people, this is just like, get tired of Battle Royale? Do you think it ever happens or it's going to be like one of those modes that... Oh, it'll fatigue out for sure. Everything does. There's always a bubble that tends to... even If it doesn't burst, it like sadly withers away a little bit. But then there's also the point of like, it's sort of... I would see Fortnite, for instance, as being similar to World of Warcraft in that, like, people are like, it's dying! And you're like, no, it's just that so many people were playing it that, yes, there's less of them now, but it's still a massive number of people playing this game. Um, So I think Fortnite will do something similar. I don't know about PUBG, to be quite honest with you. I think it will retain, like, its own little player base, because I think some people just really fucking love that game. Um... But I think, I mean, Battlefield and Call of Duty, as always, are going to be the one, like, those two are going to be the one that are battling yeah. it out. I don't know that there's going to be enough room for two of mm-hmm. the, of that particular style. Um, so I think whichever one comes out of the gate and does it better will we'll have the healthier community. That's going to be the debate and the competition coming up in fall, right? <laughs> yep. Yeah. And throw, throw cowboys in that mix, oh. and it's going to be a, a real yeah. good time. Oh, man. Um, all right. Well, I definitely want to play Zombies with you, Kim. Seriously. <laughs> so I can't make that believe happen. we have uh, What about to me? Because I also want to play Oh, zombies. yeah. No, we need four people. So that's uh, you, me, Britt, and Kim. Oh, sh- yeah. Let's do it. <laughs> nice. I am all up for it. We'll, we will crush all of the things with the red eyes. Um, okay, well, this has been a long one. Thanks for hanging in there with us, ladies and gentlemen. We've talked about a lot of games, and guess what? We're in the runway to E3. Uh, we'll have more games to talk about. Some more embargoes will be lifted by next week, and we will have uh, Brandon Jones on the show Yay. from Easy Allies. He also was at Judges Week. And Britt will be back from Alaska, um, hopefully. <laughs> she didn't get eaten by, like, a polar bear or anything. Grizzly bear. That's what's in Alaska. Grizzly bear. Yes. Oh, my God. Oh, wrong bear. There's wild animals that have teeth. Um, and, um, yeah, we're, lo- we're looking forward to it. And then, of course, you know, don't forget, we will be at E3 on the Facebook Live stage at their live studio in the West Hall lobby. Um, more details I will bring to you guys next week and then the following week as we get closer and closer to the Electronic Entertainment Expo. We still haven't decided if we're going to do some kind of a meetup. I don't know when. I'm looking at my calendar going, I don't know when I'm going to eat or sleep. 
this is a problem that yeah. I should fix. <laughs> I don't know that a meetup will be possible during E3. <laughs> yeah, maybe like the Monday before? No, probably not. I don't know. We'll probably. figure it out. Probably not. <laughs> this is probably the thing. Um, okay, so I'm about to uh, wrap up here. Kim, as we mentioned, you do work for Game Informer. Great work. Not only do you have your Detroit Become Human review up at GameInformer.com, you also have your Kingdom Hearts 3 preview piece. Do you have any other cool stuff that you want to pimp or any other channels or anything you want to promote? Oh, gosh. I mean, I have my own RPG column. I write in that every other week, which is pretty much how I feel going on about the genre, stating like the ups and downs and what I'd like to see about it and what I'm excited for. Um, so you can check that out at the site. Um, it's, it's right under columns. So <laughs> it, there's nothing more than that. Um, this, uh, if you read our recent issue, which has days gone on the cover, I have a really cool feature that I'm very proud of. And I don't say this often cause I'm a perfectionist. I'm very hard on myself, but it's about, um, how we, how more women are getting, um, we're giving more opportunities to women to get into gaming, teaching them at a younger age what gaming is about, and it's not so much this, you know, male-dominated ho- hobby anymore, and what programs are out there for girls who are looking to get into it. So, like, you know, girls make games. I talked to Pixels in Montreal. I talked to, you know, she talks games from Facebook with Andrea as a part of. Um, it's amazing to see all the initiatives going on, and I think that's great. I think um, it's easy to lose sight and say, like, oh, you know, girls don't game, but stats and everything else is. And I mean, we're all here proof, right? <laughs> we're talking about it. Uh, so it's just an article that I think was important to touch on and give people resources of places they can go. So you can check that out in the most recent issue. Um, that's it for me. I don't like pimping much, but that was that's that's what I'm gonna do. <laughs> well, that was a great that was a great thing great thing to pimp. I'm I'm happy you did. Um, well, that's it I, for us, I guess. Uh, Steimer, do you have any parting thoughts before we say goodbye? Steimer, do you have anything you want to pimp? <laughs> no, but I feel like we probably shouldn't use that word. <laughs> yeah, this is a good point you're making. We'll have to think of another word. Uh, promote. Write promote. Us in. Writer. Promote. Promote is so boring, though. It is. Do you have anything you want to sizzle sparkle i don't know i'm Ooh, just i'm like tired that. and hungry so you have anything you want to sparkle <laughs> we'll just use that from now on perfect all right ladies and gentlemen that'll do it for us on what's good games as always it, we greatly appreciate it if you can take some time out of your busy schedule to subscribe at youtube.com slash what's good games to hit that subscribe button on your podcast app wherever platform you go to listen to us if you really want to go the extra mile and leave us a review that also genuinely helps us in, in, in rankings and discoverability and helping new people find the podcast. We definitely love it from the bottom of our hearts when you guys make time to do those things. So thank you to everyone who has gone and done that. And if you haven't, and if you wouldn't mind taking a few minutes, you have your phone open right now, I bet. Just, you know, go to the, go to iTunes and, and leave us a little review I or go mean, to the podcast. I'm app. just going to say, so, people keep supporting these girls. They work really hard. They do awesome work. Like, I am always fascinated by what you guys post and whether it's a funny video that Britt did or you guys just hanging out and you guys have really good conversations. So 
give them all the support that you can. If you're here listening Aww. from Game Informer from Kim, Kim says, learn more about them. I just talked in third person. I need to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Kim, for being our awesome guest this week. Um, Brett will be back next week. Brandon Jones is joining us next week. Have a great Memorial Day weekend, everybody. We love you. Mwah. Goodbye. Goodbye.